Hey everybody, Jim here to remind everyone that next week's show, episode 461, will be Patreon only. It is an annuals week. It's a fifth week of comics. DC's putting out a bunch of annuals. And whenever that happens, it happens a couple times a year. That show that week is Patreon only. Very easy to get involved to listen to it. You just have to go to patreon.com slash weird science and sign up for as little as $1 for a month. And you'll get to listen to those shows and a bunch of other stuff as well. If you get inspired to go up levels, each level has more podcasts. But here to tell you mainly about joining for our Patreon only show next week with no limitations. And I'll tell you, there's some big books coming out. This is what we'll be talking about and what you'll get. Bat Girls Annual number one, Blue Beetle Graduation Day number one, Detective Comics Annual number one, Justice Society of America number one, which is a huge book. Nightwing 2022 Annual Number One Nubia and the Justice League Special Number One and Superman Kal-El Return Special Number One. So a pretty big podcast with some really cool stuff, especially the Justice Society of America book that I've been looking forward to for a while. Again, just go over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, sign up for as little as a dollar and you'll get that and a bunch of other shows. And just as a added bonus at the end here, If you do sign up, even if you sign up for that $1, if you end up not liking what you hear, you can just quit before you get to the next month. I'm going to assume that because this podcast will come out in December, beginning of December, you'd sign up in December. And then by December 31st, if you've decided, eh, this isn't for me, I don't really like, all you have to do is quit before the clock strikes midnight and we head into pretty much the next year. But January, You'll never be charged. It's no fuss, no muss. We don't end up charging people when they sign up. I don't like that. I want people to get a little bit of a feel of what is going on. If it's worth it for them, then they can decide. I think that we do enough good over there that you might decide to stay. That is, you know, my hopes and dreams. But all in all, that's just the deal. We're going to get to the podcast. But one last time. Next week's podcast is Patreon only for as little as $1. You can sign up at Patreon to listen, patreon.com slash weird science off to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And now we also want to speak to Eric, Eric Shea, who's actually joining us via Skype. There we go. Right. Hey, there he is. Eric is joining us. Hi, Eric. Thanks for being part of the show. So glad to have you here. Um, so what do you think is so appealing about weirdsciencecomicsblogs.blogspot.com? Where do you see Dahmer books? Weirdsciencecomicsdahmerbooks. Blogspot.com. Where do you see blogs? Blogspot.com. Where do you see blogspot.com? This is wrong turn. This would be going back to read books because this is spoiler Comcast. You be warned. Welcome back to the only show that breaks down, cracks up, skews, and reviews each week's DC Comics. I'm the Harley Quinn who laughs, Eric Shea. And I'm the purveyor of positivity, Jim Warner. And this is the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast, episode number 460. 460. I tried to do that with more conviction so that Double A Ron could get off my damn butt. 
He said that I always sound confused at the deal. He's on my big butt, my bad butts. Oh, everybody, welcome. Everybody listening here, part of the Get Fresh crew. All the weirdos out there. And we have quite a plethora of books. We have six books. You know that is a plethora around these parts. Uh, But before we get into all of that, please go over to Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us, we'll follow you back. And yes, that was me being a little unsure of what I was going to say next. We can also go over, we can also go over, me and you, to our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com. But don't be afraid if you go over there and something pops up that says, are you sure you want to get to this review? It might be a little bit sus. All of a sudden, spicy. I, I don't know what's going on. Like uh, reviews that we have had up for almost ten years are getting flagged for being too spicy. I'm and we telling can't you, the thing is, I went back and looked at that one Batgirl issue that I reviewed. You know, almost ten years ago, from when we first started the website. I think the reason that all these were flagged is because I couldn't write for shit back then, and it was just That's garbage. Because I read this and I felt embarrassed. You say that a recent review by Joey Bercusco got flagged, so I think you just threw shade at him. He ended up sending me a note. That's the only reason I realized. He sent me a note. I'm like, do better, Joey. Deal it said about this. And I went and looked. It was for Basket Full of Heads. Oh, okay. That's the one that. And I went to look and I think it was the cover. I think it's the cover. Suddenly, I don't know, the cover police are in town. Uh, I did I, look I think at if you the Batgirl. If you had that cover of Crisis on Infinite Earth where Superman's holding a dead Supergirl, that would be flagged too then. That would be flagged. There's a bunch of others. And every time I went and looked, it was some sort of blood on the cover. Blood on the cover. Blood on the cover. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It Tony, just, my mind it went there too. Off. And then I ended up sitting there like, well, what do we do to fix this? And it says in, in the email I got, Hey, if you can fix this, then let us know, and then we'll take them. Like, really, I'm going to get that involved. I just used the term gangbangers in there. Did that count as like a flag? That may have. And actually, maybe that's what (laughs) we used to be a little saucy in the old reviews. So maybe that was the case, though. I don't think any of them were mine, but we'll have to see. I used to throw the F-bomb around a lot, but hey, that's allowed. It was just weird that suddenly it becomes it now. Like, now we get these things flagged. But if you go over there, maybe you can read some of them saucy, sexy reviews. Also, after that, though, go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. The only thing we get flagged over there is for being awesome. Eric Shea, we ended up this week. You're awesome. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I am. Uh, This past week, we ended up having what we one of the bigger things are Patreon only spotlight. Picked by the badasses, the Get Fresh crew. (laughs) Two books each week they picked from that week's books. And they ended up picking Deathstroke, Inc., number 15, which shocked me. Shocked me that they were picking that. And it was the finale, and we talked a lot about that. And then Dark Crisis, the Dark Army, number one. And I'm telling you, with everything that's gone down since then, including Thanksgiving, and then my computer issue, I don't even remember what we talked about, but we talked for an hour and 22 minutes. So we did a good deal there. But yeah, this past week, Thanksgiving, I ended up being invited to Thanksgiving dinner at Zach's, found out that it was actually at 11, more of a brunch, and we had brats and sauerkraut, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. Sounds delicious. It was cold, that's what it was. But did you get there late? It's okay. No. And we were the only ones. Zach seemed very depressed. <laughs> Not all the brothers showed up. And uh, yeah, we ended up where... I don't know. I told you I like turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy, and corn. I got, got all of that, and it was delicious. Yeah, I got brats, sauerkraut, and some eggs. 
is what I got. So later on that night, I had and made an impromptu Thanksgiving dinner for me, Tanya, Logan, and Wraith. It was okay. It was okay. We had chicken, and I had a bunch of other nonsense stuff sitting around. Well, I just didn't go to Wawa and get a turkey bowl. No, I didn't even think of that. I'm telling you, I, I was out of it. And then on Friday, yesterday, as we're recording now, I ended up recording our Star Wars podcast with Matt Razor. Started editing it, and my computer just went down. I, I've had three computers go down sucks. in like eight days. I don't know what's going on. I said to Tanya, it must be the nonsense power down here All in the, the porn. black mold studio. And I ended up having to get another new computer today, which took over almost all my day again. And I am tired. I'm miserable. <laughs> I'm sick and tired. So I'm tired of being sick is what I am. No, I just... I ended up getting on here, and me and you, before we started, we were talking, and you were being a little more positive than what we usually have at the beginning. So I'm hoping that you're going to pick up my pep in my step, and we'll get going. I don't like this week a lot at all. (laughs) Well, here's the problem. When I went into reading the books, then, I get the computer set up, and it's funny because it is a lot easier nowadays you have everything than the clouds there, right? Instead no, of me cloud. shaking my fist and yelling at the clouds, I'm, I'm offering my forgiveness to them and they're bringing me my info. But some of the other things are programs I use because then I have to get the settings all in and no cloud and gets me all upset. My audacity settings where I think that I have them like, Mwah. I've had to remember these things so many times in the last week. I should write them down. Maybe yeah. that would. And then put the, about this. put the writing it down in the cloud, Eric, that it would work. But I don't know. I don't trust that cloud. I think it's going to steal my money. You were just praising it. Yeah, kind of. I, I still yell at it. It's good when you get on and you're like, oh, man, I lost all my sus bookmarks. Oh, no. The cloud, it remembered them. It remembered everything I looked at. Oh, no. Wait a minute. How do I get this? What is it? Porn dot? Oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, but yeah, I, I end up, half of it's good. You're like, oh, man, this is great. And then the other half, I'm like, this sucks. But I went to read the books thinking, hey, where's my pick-me-up? The DC Comics of the Week. Thinking at least, even if it was one of those weeks where, oh, man, I hate this so much. And I'm going to, yeah, it, this was kind of just a midweek. And a lot of the books didn't really progress anywhere and i was starting to get really bored so welcome to the podcast everyone you'll see uh i'm sure we'll find something to laugh about as we go through these plethora of books but one thing that i do like to laugh cry and dance about is actually the badasses eric and this is the badass roll call boom this always picks me up there. I thought that I lost them in the cloud, too. Like, where, where are they? I can't get it right, but it still picks me up. Michael Jordan, Eric K-double-K, Jeffrey Greek, Stephen Bat, Dad Mitchell, The Annihilator, Ted Probst, I Love Punchline, Stork, Michael S. And speaking of I Love Punchline, we have Punchline this week. That's really cool. Michael S. Forrest, Paulie Cam, Matt Razor, D-Man 3000, Lady Abby, and Lord Andy, Francisco L. Arach III, Niels Tewart, David Fink, Joey Bercosco, Sus Reviewer, Stephen Baum, Jason Colby, Sue 42 to you and me, Michael G., Comic Boom, Rocky, Hugh Janus. <laughs> wow, how huge. Uh, very big, Eric. Don't, don't even tell me. Mark Jager, Hugh Janus. Mark Jager, Alton Stoja, Nick Adams, Ruben, Carlos, No Wolf Marv, Matthew Ripier, Luke, Hollywood, Simon, Luis, Manship, 
Brian from Arkansas, Andrew and Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, my man Pete from NYC, Batman Beyond Mark, our man Rob Lewis, special shout out, Lee Muir, Brandy Murray up there in Buffalo and Double A Run Docs in Minnesota, all time great, Reginald. I ended up doing the video on our YouTube channel for the podcast last week, and I ended up doing a scroll. But I, I thought I was being very fast. A scroll, like, you know, a Marvel alien? No, not a scroll. Uh, a scroll of the badasses, right? So it's going down. And then I realized, like, oh, crap, now I'm laughing about this. So I have to, like, slow down the scroll. With this. It took me forever. At the one point when I got the your name, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the worst. Ah, uh, but that's that. My <laughs> name? There are, well, whoever that might be, it's it's a rotating list of, you know, fantastic Just people that you have there. Yeah, that is true. It seems like it's, it's keeping it fresh. Ah, uh, but that is the badass. Is also shout out to everybody on the Patreon. We really do appreciate that as we're coming to the end of the month. And to point that out, this is a bit of a longer month. Not longer, but they end up having five weeks of book. <laughs> Longer in the comic book. <laughs> it's a thirty-six day month. This is one of them thirty-eight smarches. Lassie smarch weather. This month it will have an annuals week, a fifth week of books, and when that happens, we are Patreon only. That means all the shows that week are Patreon only. And to get involved, you just have to go over and sign up for the Patreon. That one, as little as a dollar, will make you holler, and you'll get to listen to the whole show, which is. You know, no limitations, as we say. I don't know and what that means. We, we, we goof off a little and stuff like that. We don't do that here. Serious business. Oh, Eric. shit. Serious. I really do think uh, the guy who was at one point trying to sell me a new computer at the Best Buys, he was talking, and, and I kept trying to tell everybody, and Tanya was there with me, the idea I needed a computer today. We have a show we haven't missed, like 420 weeks or whatever it might be. And so I said, I need to get it now. Oh, why do you have to get it now? Because this guy just kept going back to, well, you can order this. I'm like, I ain't ordering shit. I need to get it now. Why do you got to get it now? And I didn't want to say, because then I feel like I'm bragging. I don't know well, why. Bragging, but I, don't okay. wanna, I don't want to like, I don't want to get involved in that conversation. I don't want to like, oh, what? Time? Because it always ends up with me being upset. <laughs> because that, so on the, and then, to, oh, he's on a podcast. <laughs> oh, what podcast? And she, first off, she just said, oh, it's just a comic book podcast. Then I'm mad then. Oh, it's just a comic book podcast. What podcast are you on, bitch? And then I end up where I'm Jesus. standing there. <laughs> you know how it is. And so I'm standing there and, oh, comic. I listen to a lot of comic book podcasts. I'm like, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. And I'm like, oh, oh. And he's like, oh, what, what is it like, you know, DC comic? I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and then Tony goes, yes, it's the weird science. DC comes by. I swear to God, the look of joy left this man's face. Just deflated completely. He kind of like went oh. and looked at me, and I swear to God, he's like, You're one of those you must, guys. You, you, you're the short one. You must be Jim. No, he just looked at me and was like, Oh. You're and the then size that was of a it. child. Yeah. I'm like, Yeah. And then I, I swear to God, he started suggesting really awful. Like, he wanted to, from within, he was taking us down. He had an uh, intro in. I don't know. He just. Everything kind of stopped. Any sort of joyful banner stopped then. And it probably just such a big fan, Eric. But with all that, never meet your heroes. I'm saying, yeah, really. I just sat there. I'm like, really? And then I said to Tanya, why'd you have to say that? She was, what am I supposed to say? I don't know. Just make something up. 
Just make something. Spice I don't it know. Up. We'll stop lying about Jim everything. Jim and Eric's comic book blog. You could go with. We were going to be at one point. And maybe if I said weird out loud, Whopper Wednesday, weird after dark, you know, all those fucking things we came up with. So yeah, that, that kind of upset me. But then Man, uh, weird again, out loud, I, such a good title. At that point, I thought to myself, like, I got to get out of here. It was already getting late. I have to go home. I have to read the books. Let's get moving. And then the oh, look at this. I'm like, I at one point I told you before. I said. Hey, I, I know what I need. I don't need like the spiel there. I just need you to get what I need or tell me that it's not there. And I said, I know what I need. Well, what do you think you know more than me? I'm like, here we go. Like, I thought he was going to start yelling. I think that Ram B is a writer. Everything that you talk about with this guy, you're honestly describing yourself. This could be somebody talking about something on DC Comics. No, and like, I wouldn't you know say more that to me. his face. I'd go off and say it behind the scenes. He kept moving around when we were talking. I'm like, that's what you do every time we talk in person. I think the guy, no, it wasn't just moving. This was like, this guy was up and down the aisle. He might as well have been doing cartwheels. Big guy, too. Big guy. <laughs> He had plenty of Thanksgiving, it looked like. And and so wow. he's what doing that. And I just ended up, I, well, I was irritated. And, you know, I waited for the under the breath. Don't be vicious for Tom King. That <laughs> punches me in the face. I'm like, I just want to get out of here. All the way to White Hall again. What happened? We have a Best Buy in town. They don't carry anything. They have nothing on the show. The day after Good Friday, you would think they had the, uh, Black, Black Friday. Friday. They would have it. Definitely wasn't a Good Friday because they have shit. So I just needed something. And well, I how do you know that they didn't sell out during Black Friday? No, they didn't because I have an inside deal. Rafe works there now. He said they had shit. So they didn't have any sort of computers. But that was that. And then there was a problem with my return. It was all a disaster. Yeah, but your receipt. Here we are. No, I, I actually don't go with the paper receipts, Eric. I go with the digital, so I don't lose them. But when they scan the computer that the I cloud. got new, when it, they scanned it, and it beep, and they're like, oh, you bought an open box computer. No. No, I didn't. I paid full price for that. I was so mad. I'm like, that's what it says? I'm going to kill somebody, but there you go. I, I got my money back, put it into this computer that looks like it's got disco balls in it. It's got like these Freaking multicolored shit going. Everything's on the roof. Sounds pretty cool. It's not that cool for this. I didn't need it. It has a good video card, but what do I need that for? What am I, a gamer? Your aspirations, whatever you talk. We're going to do the YouTubes together. No, you don't need that. I'm saying this is for, like, games. Games. The only game I play is with you, Eric. Yeah, we need to do some YouTube things. I saw somebody that had this video of, this is what DC kind of... I'm telling you, three minutes, the thing had like 300,000 days. Didn't say anything. The real purveyor of positivity. Positivity. I'm just angry now. Now we get to go to the books where I hope I can maintain this vigor. Because when the books this come. Figure. So, uh, vigor. Oh, I'm saying you lost that figure a while well, ago. Actually, I think I gained it, a secondary figure. But yeah, we'll get to the books. We'll, we'll see if we can, you know, kind of squeeze some fun out of these things. I, I will put it on to you. That is your goal for the night. So it's off my we go to the books. All comes around with an ancient deed in their hand. Walking through the streets of Gotham in the rain They brought a big guy with them they call Giltan Claw 
got the old asthma running in his veins. See two fish standing at the door. Does she not go in? Ubu got mutilated last night. Werewolves in Gotham again. Wolfman, Eric. We knew there were werewolves in Gotham, and then we were concerned there weren't. <laughs> At one point, we were really scared that all the werewolf talk that we had was wrong. Eric, we were right. We all were right. dead right. More and- than anything with that whole song that you put together for the intro to this section, I am just so happy that you kept the dip. Uh, that's the thing. That's my favorite part. Dip! That's yep, my favorite my part favorite of the well. whole deal. In fact, Eric, doesn't happen that soon in the song. <laughs> Put it in anyway, because well, no, I you love need it. it. Come on. I love it. That's my favorite part. Uh, it actually reminds me a bit, and it was funny, back when I was in the band in West Virginia, the idea of that part of the song almost felt like it was the Jerky Boys doing that deal, because they would do that at points, too, oh, yeah. and it just made me laugh. It made me laugh, Eric. So, yeah, there we go. We have werewolves in Gotham, but they uh, at least one. Uh, yeah, they're mutilating Ubu late last oh, no. night. <laughs> uh, the whole play of this thing, and, and the song is funny because it's one of those things I tried, and I'm not saying funny like I really nailed it, Eric. I'm saying it's funny because I think it's going to be one of those songs that I want to play each time we do this detective story, but it's already seemingly getting outdated by Ram V forgetting about some things in the story, or at least moving Past things that seem very, very important. Look, we are three days later now. Shit happens, Jim. We're moving on. Yeah, I mean, the whole deal was, hey, we got this deed to Arkham, and we're doing, and that kind of still is there, but it doesn't seem to be that important now. It's more of an overall deal. The whole asthma in the veins, I it seems to be changing. Deep this in is something. This is something though that Ramsey does a lot. Was it changed? Because I can't say that I ever knew what the fucking asthma was. That's Where's the, the magic music boxes that cures the asthma or causes there other insanities? There you go again. And luckily, I didn't even put that in there because that seems to be. Uh, he ends up. It almost feels like Ramsey when he writes. First off, he does write a bit, you know, pretentious. He, he oh. got mad at me. He called me out on Twitter. Eric, I That's think that a show. lot of the Everybody call Jim out on Twitter. Everybody seems to be written like Ram V, like this real fancy talk and things. We left before about news reports from Gotham. We're going to start this one with a newspaper report that I don't think drunk Deb Donovan's writing that shit. Uh, there's no way. But She's very eloquent. Needs a little glass maybe, to go before Maybe her, once she starts drinking, she starts getting eloquent. But overall i think that ram v just writes he said it actually when he was calling me out he said he writes what amuses him at the moment and then kind of moves on i think that it's kind of clear in that when you go through a whole arc and whatever you may think overall well i kind of like this whatnot but you're never going to be able to connect all the dots we we couldn't in swamp thing we tried we we ended up at the end kind of had a nice enough feeling for that whole series but there were points where we're like why are we doing this and what about that 
But we'll see. We'll see when we get to that. We have three books in this section, not just the Detective Comics. And if you want to read written reviews of most of these, you can go over to weirdsciencedccomics.com. Read written reviews that might be sus. I don't know. But we will start with Detective Comics number 1066. At this point right now, one of the big plays and the thing that's going to push even DC forward after Dark Crisis is Action Comics. That's getting all the talk of the town. As it should. Detective seems to be kind of pushed back. You know, it needs to step it up a little. You've been in the spotlight for so long, Detective Comics. Step back a little bit. Let Superman give him time to shine. Why I say this is I almost start thinking that at 1050, we might put Action Comics first, and we've never done that. We've never done it. Might flip flop. That's just me. We'll we'll talk about it because I know that might drive you <laughs> nuts you if off. I did it. I actually thought that you would really enjoy the lineup that I have for tonight, even though DC versus Vampires it's in the first section. But I like that it's second a big section. elsewhere, elsewhere yeah, book. It is. It is there. Detective Comics number one thousand sixty six, written by Ram V, art by Ivan Rice, who we haven't had on the book. Danny Mickey. Dave Stewart and Ariana Mayer with a backup by Cy or Simon Spurrier. We'll decide which at the end. And art by Hayden Sherman, Nick Flardy, and Steve Wands. But I would say overall what I can say, you know, my feeling when I got done, this is boring. It's but not boy, really that exciting. Boy, does Ivan Rice kill it in the art department. I'm so happy he's on this book, and I hope he stays for a long, long time. Yeah, well, they were going with the idea of it being that horror feel before. So I guess, you know, you'll probably get back to that. I but love this looks great. But you start off, and, and again, what you have Ram V doing is not really progressing the story that much forward. And he's been doing it. This is the fifth issue of the story, and we really haven't gotten that much from it. If you are interested in it, I think you're waiting like, okay, this seems like something that's fancy. I'll wait a little, but it's starting to get a little annoying. It got annoying to me earlier, but that's me. I always get annoyed by that. But again, in this issue, you have a bit of recap told through a newspaper article that I said is a little flowery. Talk about a recap in a newspaper article. We have recap for half the issue for the stuff we've been dealing with to the point where it's like, all right, Bruce Wayne or Batman as it is, he's been unconscious for three days in Jim Gordon's office and stuff like that. Let's tell you what's been going on this last three days and also tell you that fight with Uber we had, how the, you know, the League of Assassins came in. Even the idea that you have like the uh, the uh, Olgrams coming in and like, oh, yeah, we have the Arkham Asylum, stuff like that. Even the point where we're pretty much sitting around like, yep, Harvey's acting like Two-Face still because Gale Ten Crawl. And like, we are barely progressing the story at all no, at this point. No, we're not at all. And if you want Batman, finally at the end, you get a little Batman as he goes out. But through half of the issue, he's laying on Gordon's couch. He's there. And thankfully, Gordon did a better rap job in those three days that Batman was out and unconscious. And sent that kid packing to the backup. I, I don't even don't understand that. I don't even understand that kid. So you end up where. Maybe it's it because makes we it, didn't read the previous backups. Maybe, maybe but we did. On us, but I we don't only, know. We didn't read we all of it. We missed one. Maybe that was the the linchpin to the back. And that was the thing. I think I read that one, but then we decided not to do it. Then you read the <laughs> We kind of tag-teamed it. But back again. in that, I, I just, you have this, as you said, recap throughout the whole deal. And again, if I want to make the joke, it is MC Scat Cat, you know. Actually, it's one step forward, two steps back constantly. And you're always catching up. To, at the end, you're like, okay, we're at the point where we let, oh, it's over. We, we barely get ahead. The cliffhanger is usually the only progression, really, of the story. And for the majority of the books this week, it feels like everybody's suffering yeah, it from does. that. 
it really is a, a trend this week in a weird way. But even though you have this newspaper article and just some of the things that it says, and we laughed about it before, it's not horrible. But it makes me laugh because at one point it says a coordinated attack attempted to assassinate 20-year-old Arzen Orgum. Gotham's Mayor Nakano and Commissioner Montoya were in attendance, and yet, like so many times before, they seem bereft of answers and shorn of power. I'm like, half of Gotham has no idea what that sentence means, but I love that it's throwing shade finally at Nakano. I'll give Ram V credit. He's the one guy who seems to realize He's got Nakano an eye for the future, Jim. is just nothing. He, yeah, he's messed up so much. In that, though, they end up talking to Arzen. Hey, Arzen, are you going to get behind Nakano's re-election? I'm like, right there, you'll be able to tell if he's good or bad. He doesn't answer. But when he does say, oh, yeah, we're backing him, then we know he's in on it. Because I still think that Arzen himself is a little better than the rest of the family. He's, I think he's, he's a kind goddamn of monster. I think he's being duped. I think that he is being led along a little more. I don't think he knows everything that's going on. Even the on because- idea of the family, because you have a Prince Arzen from the Ograms from some other country I can't even properly pronounce, but they're here to take claim of Arkham Asylum and all of the land that's been because they're just going to buy it out. And now they're going to have a reconstruction site on Arkham. I don't know if they're tearing it down, building something better or what for what we're dealing with right now with Arkham Asylum. But Arkham of old, it's gone. We're tearing that shit down. But even when you have Arzen himself, it's like, oh, it's Bruce Wayne. I know you. You're trying to do good for the city for years. The Waynes are great people and stuff like that. When you have his mother talking about the stories of Bruce Wayne, the playboy, fast cars, fast women, all these different things, she almost comes off more like a servant in this issue than actually somebody who's part of, like, you know, a royal kind of pseudo family. I think that they're, do. I think he's only a figurehead. I think they're using him a bit more than he is. What, because he does seem like he loves, like, oh man, I heard stories about this Gotham. Man, Wayne Manor, that's such a big place. Can, Can I go? come visit? No, I don't live there anymore. We get told he's 20 in this, I think even twice, and that kind of threw me. Not that I thought he was older or whatnot, but you're really pushing the idea, naive, young kid. Man, and I'm jealous. When, when he's, yeah, really, look at that <laughs> scarf he has, that fancy-ass <laughs> scarf he's walking through. But even then, just imagine this. This is Gotham City, right? Big city. A lot oh, yeah. of things happening. A lot Bad of things, things going happen. on. A lot of things going on in the old rotten apple, right? So you end up having that. But then here comes this royal family. That has the deed to the land where the rundown shit ass fucking nonsense Arkham Asylum is. Why is that such a huge thing? It's not that when at first it looked like they had the deed to the Very damn full city. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you sit there and you're like, okay, I get it. It's buried treasure, ancient Indian burial ground, and not even India, ancient Indian, because it's a burial ground for so many people. Not even. Let's just say the people weren't buried on Arkham Asylum. You know how many people have died here? Anything you've built here no ma- or built here, it's cursed. Oh, well, that's what I think they're counting on. I do believe this is going to be some half-ass ritual nonsense with the, you know, oh, you got to go full-ass with rituals, Jim. But that, to me, still doesn't. When, when you end up where this family comes in, oh, hey, by the way, we're going to demolish Arkham Asylum. First off, everybody's moved on. We have the tower. We got the tower. They don't even mention AJ here, but we you end up. We got the tower. Oh, Ooh, is that a song coming? We got the up? tower. Uh, uh. Yeah, that could be a good song. Where's the Arkham Tower coming back? Isn't that Snap? Or what I don't even remember. <laughs> we got the power. Uh, actually, yeah. Now you got me all aside now. <laughs> but you end up where they're demolishing our. Okay. I mean, really, what this should be is, while it's a royal family from, you can't pronounce it, I don't think anybody in Gotham can either, where they're like, I don't care about them fancy royals. What are they doing here anyway? Oh, they're going to demolish Arkham. 
eh, give him hell. Like, what do they care? This seems like they're walking down Good the streets. Like, as they go past people, they're shitting out gold bars and throwing them to the kids in the crowd. There's this crazy like parade going on where they're just walking around and i don't get it i don't get why it's like almost like the second coming here well maybe it's just a little classier than philly like we throw shit at them they're throwing a parade i'm just i'm just imagining the idea of some insane asylum that's just outside of new york city that they who would care it it just seems. I'm just it seems like it's the, made the, to be huge. The old but asylum it's small. here, and I can't think what it's called now. Like the penicillin, not the penicillin. Oh, I know. Like, I was thinking the same thing. But like, we have that around. We there wouldn't give a shit. I don't know. That was kind of a big landmark for a while, and I was. Well, what you would like, say is, that. where am I going to go for my Halloween nonsense? That they <laughs> no, like, no. Was he, this is before it became Halloween nonsense. Okay. I'm saying even that, like the big place around us that Reggie actually did a bit from. We end up like it's a Halloween place now. Like, this isn't, it just feels weird. Penhurst. It feels like Penhurst. Could not yes. remember that damn name. So, no, yeah, it's Pen if something. you found out, oh my God, Harry, he's getting, you know, Prince Harry's getting pet, you'd be like, who cares? Not on my watch. <laughs> yeah, really, you're protesting. <laughs> I'm Go beat home, Harry. Go, he's like, I am home. I ended up leaving England. Oh, stay home, Harry. You end up where it just, they're just walking through and it felt small. I, I wanted it to feel bigger, like it was the deed. To Gotham, whether or not that would hold out in in trial or anything, but you want the whole idea that they've come to town with a few days to thrill with a deed to Gotham slash Arkham Asylum, which it became. But the idea, like, you want this to be like the royal wedding where everybody's tuning in. That's what it seems. So they're all there. Cameras going. Well, it's a big day. You got royal people doing stuff in Gotham. Royal people have come with an ancient deed to a rundown. I don't even think they know about that part. But even then. Just think of it, the big play here. They had the deed to the land of a rundown, shit left behind Arkham Asylum. And we're supposed to think that's big. If in this, where arson goes up, because after, you know, after Bruce finds out about this, as I love how you end up having Jim Gordon say, listen, your face is fine. The money maker is not harmed. I love what he just said. I know you're wondering. Your face was not harmed. But I didn't look at it. So weird. I didn't want to uh, know. Yeah, and then you know, you no, know. shut up. This Jim. is this is where <laughs> this is where you end up having Bruce go and look at this where they're tearing down Arkham, the Arkham Asylum reconstruction site. Now, is this going to be where Mariko Tamaki's deal with the tower was such a bad no bad man? Well, story. It's going to be like the Cola Wars in the nineties, not the Asylum Wars. Who's going to do it better, the Tower or the Asylum? It's all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, I think you're crazy as shit. Which one? Oh man, I picked Arkham Asylum. Oh my goodness, that's that's the Asylum challenge. Oh man, <laughs> that's what they do when you get you actually have I'm you been criminally insane? So they send me to which one I want to go to. There's a new docuseries on Netflix, which I've been... I, I need to... Did you watch it? Oh, yeah. God. I, I, it's it good. brought me back to the 90s hardcore the idea of Pepsi points. All I, all I said there is the whole time, that's Eric Shea. <laughs> There's Eric. And I thought, I know that at some point he probably thought it'd be cool to get that Harrier jet, but it's a little too late. Plus, we didn't have a lot of money when well, the thing about you that too, up. It's like, I never took that seriously either. Well, it's funny, too, because I'm watching that. And if anybody doesn't know, it is a, a documentary on Netflix, as Eric said, about the Pepsi points and the idea that this kid decided that he was going to get the Harrier jet. because Seven million Pepsi they points didn't into put a Harrier any jet. sort of, you know, deal on no fine print. And I love Just the idea. Kidding. In my mind, like, 
you would have wanted that Harrier jet because you wanted to fly that Harrier jet and blow up shit, right? He no. just took it as a full out nice money boy. making opportunity, though. I, but you would have wanted to fly in it. Do you know how afraid of everything I am? It took me forever to drive, let alone fly a jet. Well, you like the Pepsi, though. I'm I can a Coke barely guy, see. so. I like when during it, like, there's those things like Cindy Crawford, who was a Pepsi spokesperson. She ends up doing that like, oh, good. She's all happy she picked Pepsi. <laughs> like, look at her. She's so happy. Uh, but, yeah, you end up Arkham Asylum reconstruct. But why is this that so crazy? And with that, I thought that the play might have been that they have a bunch of things. And when you have ours and say, oh, my God, you know, Bruce Wayne, I wanted to talk to you because, see, like, I have the deed to Wayne Manor, too. And that would be something like. Oh, no, they might find out about the Batcave. That's still the, But nothing really matters to me. And like, I, I can't get invested of this royal family who's going to reconstruct Arkham Asylum. What the fuck do I care? Well, maybe this is just a stepping stone to something going forward. Maybe. So the idea is once this is set up, because we know that it's a reconstruction, but a reconstruction into what we have no idea. And we know in the background that they're. Werewolf hitman Gail Tenkwal is going around and taking over criminal organizations. We're five issues in, and I want to see the point where I say, oh, my God, they have to be stopped. I mean, yeah, they're taking over the crime no underworld. No they have to be stopped. They got the werewolves in the payroll. The crime underworld is what it is, and you've just got a new family involved. Who knows? Maybe they'll make things better, Eric. Plus, I don't think that at points Can't they're going to end up knocking out you know, half of these big characters, like a Mr. Freeze or, or whatever. I don't know. I think that maybe if they consolidate it, it'd be an easier target for Batman to take them down then. But you have Bruce who's trying to, he's trying to slink away. I mean, they're starting to, this parade that's waltzing down. Everybody's asking questions. They're not answering. And then you have ours and, oh my God, Mr. Wayne, Mr. Wayne, you know, hey, I really, you know, love the Wayne family. They're doers. They're good guys and gals. And hey, I want to come and visit you at the manor. I don't live at the manor anymore. Oh shit, that sucks. It's such there would be such a weird, awkward silence there of like, I'm not, I'm not rich anymore. Ooh, why am I talking to you, peasant? But yeah, he's like, Oh, you know, he has interest in Gotham. Gotham always interests him and he admired the Waynes. He wants to get things done. And I think that maybe he's like I said, maybe he doesn't realize how bad his family is and he's being duped. I don't know. But then his mom all of a sudden does those weird eyes things and starts to talk her nonsense. And like you said, almost plays off like more of a servant than a mother. And it just, the whole story just kind of dribs and drabs along. And then, you know, oh man, what happened with Ubo? We already know that, but let's reiterate that because his body washed up and now we're off to the Sunset Central Power Stations because we saw earlier, even with Two-Face, they're also consolidating power stations and getting it, it just nothing we are really clicks buildings, with me. Jim. Yeah, that's what it seems. And it's almost like what Punchline's up to over in Alleytown. Yeah, she just got that one. But in the end, like maybe this will have this wow moment at the end when they light them all up and every. But getting there is not that fun of saying, you know, Batman. Hey, in the '60s, these Transformers used these this sort of oil that I found, and I found, but. It just doesn't really click. It's not that exciting. Well, the idea when you have, you know, Two Face back, which is it's a double edged sword for me because the idea of Harvey overcoming Two Face and being his own man once again—that was an interesting take that lasted about 
you know, once a month for a year kind of thing, if you want to count Task Force Z and stuff like that for our big portion of that, because now he's being forced by Gail Tenkwall to be their eyes and ears in the operation of taking over the criminal organizations as Two-Face. They don't need Harvey Dent. They need Two-Face. And Harvey is not willing to let Two-Face back out of his box inside of his brain because he took years to overcome this. So now he is trying to act like Two-Face acted while Two-Face yells inside of his mind that he's putting like coming off a little too strong for his actions. But the idea of this reason with the double-edged sword is because I liked Harvey as Harvey, but I love Two-Face as Two-Face. And the way that Harvey is acting here, where even when he shoots a guy in the face because like, look, Harvey, we didn't know you was back as Two-Face. We would have known we would have like, you know, you know, conceded or whatever the fuck about it. I'm like, I want a dangerous Two-Face who's in charge of criminal organizations along the lines of a black mask. I want people to be afraid of Two-Face. I finally get it, but it's a fake Two-Face because it's just Harvey trying to act here because the asthma is in his brain and something I never realized before was ever said. Gail Tenkaw can read his fucking mind and whenever he's thinking bad thoughts about, you know, taking down the, uh, the, um, Olgrams because the asthma is in his mind. I'm like, I yeah, don't understand the what the asthma is more than a goddamn it werewolf. It seems to be just magic now. It, it seems to be whatever you say. You, then you have Two-Face on the inside of his brain talking to him because they can read Harvey's brain, but they can't read Two-Face's brain, mind, whatever you want to call it, the, the split personality aspect of it. So Two-Face wants to be brought back out so that he can deal with the situation and not have Gail Tenkwall read his damn mind. And the funny play is it's trying to go this back and forth, too, because you can end up having, and it's a, it's a problem at one point, I think that that's when you get the switch anyway, because... Harvey knows who Batman is. And that's what oh, yeah, Two-Face... Two-Face wants to know desperately, which is kind of cool. If you have Gail Tenclaw, he'll be able to read the mind. He might be able to figure that out. So I think at one point you're going to have to revert back to save that. In the meantime, Two-Face wants to know it and says, tell me who Batman is. We can get this done with. Just tell me. And they're fighting. That's actually interesting to me. Interesting enough. But you have this play here that I thought that Ram V, it made me laugh because... Harvey in this book, especially since he had that sit down with Batman when yeah. it was so over the top, the, he does it again here. But now Ramvi tries to make it that Harvey is doing this as an act to try to act like Two-Face. Yeah. Two-Face says, I don't talk like that. But you still have Harvey doing it. it. It still ends up being at the one point when he says there was a time. The undertow of the city flowed with purpose. It had an ideology beyond the simplistic good. And it, it just goes good on and on. Face. It just goes on and on. Like, really? Like, great. And he's like, I don't really talk like that, you know. Uh, but, but I was riveted to face. You still have to read it. And then you get to that and like, oh, man, yeah, really. Keep talking, Harvey slash Two-Face. But, yeah, now it is that deal that Harvey... He's day drinking here as well, but it seems like it's night. But yeah, you end keep up, talking about day drinking. It's not a big deal. People can drink. He in this, I think he is drinking at points because he's he has to kill people as Harvey to try to play this game and tell this lie. Which is and great. It's starting and, to get to him. I'm telling you, it, it should get to him because Harvey Dent is a good person. But even like the way the story is told, where he's talking to Gail Tenkaw about. Oh, I'm sorry what happened with Dr. Mead, because previously we had the idea that T Gail Tenkaw wanted to make sure that Harvey was on the up and up with being on their side. So it was like, I need you to kill your old psychiatrist, who was a friend of Harvey's and possible love interest, just somebody that Harvey cared about. And it's like, well, what happened to Dr. Mead? And then you have to wait for the backup to tell you what happened to Dr. Mead. I'm like, this is terrible storytelling. It is. It, it is. It's terrible. But I think that when you look at all this and what we're talking about, and I think it's already coming across, I think that the Harvey stuff, is the best stuff of I the agree. story so far, right? 
but it's a Batman story. Come on, you got to do some more with Batman. You're not doing anything. Is it a Batman he is story? Not, well, it's not because he hasn't done anything. The Detective Comics story featuring Batman at some point. Seriously, featuring Harvey. Because I like where usually you Starring end up Starring Harvey. You get the deal where I say to you, like, oh, man, Harvey Dent. You're like, no, no, no. Like, he didn't kill anybody. He was two-faced. Like, he in this, though, it makes it so that he's trying to do this, but it's Harvey. And you really have that back and forth. And eventually, I think, as Harvey says, even in the backup, which is the only thing I like, is when Harvey says, listen, let me do this. You can't. You're not going to be able to deal with it. You're not going to be able to deal with it. I can do it. It takes you out of the equation. You'll not. I won't even tell you what I did. I just wanted to see the thing because you have the backup that talks about the idea that Harvey hasn't killed anybody. Two-Face wants to be let out of the box to do it for Harvey to be his protector and stuff like that. Just And I think Two-Face just enjoys it himself. But we didn't have the thing where we know that our main story takes place after the backup. But where is the the idea that Harvey is struggling just because when we first see Harvey in this – He's acting as Two-Face, and he puts a bullet in somebody's head to prove that who he is, like saying he's Two-Face, even though the coin flipped right side up. He was just trying to make a point that he is a badass yeah. who's going to kill people. To do the but deal, there was yeah. no struggle moment in there from what we have in the backup to the main story. No, and, and the thing is, I think all this is, we ended up having that change with Harvey. I think they ended up, DC's like, now, especially coming out of Dark Crisis, we want to get things classic or whatnot. You got to get Harvey back as just pure two-face. I think that that's all this is, and I or don't Harvey. mind it. Don't mind it, because it is a progression I now. I would just more Harvey, though, because everything we had was that weird Task Force Z that never really made sense for the idea of him being in charge of this organization that he wasn't really in charge of. The funny play, and it happened over at Marvel, and it's, it's going on right now with Norman Osborn, who's trying to be good there. And oh, I sure. always like the idea where you don't see of the mind. I wish that this was Harvey, and we, we were like, is he gone bad? Like, there's a real mystery behind what he's doing. And, and as he's going, that we think, oh, that looks sus. But then it isn't. But then it isn't. But Jim, there's no mystery of the army that we saw at the end of Task Force C when we found out that it was Two-Face. Everybody forget about that shit. I don't know. It's just crazy. So he ends up doing that. But that's interesting to me. But then no, we I go agree. then right to Gail Tinkle. I'm like, now I've lost interest again where they're like, yeah, we got that power station in that one. I just like the, the band, the power station, Eric. They didn't get that one yet, right? No, Part of Duran Duran's in that band. You Nobody end up in Robert Palmer, RIP. <laughs> you end up where we don't got this one substation because we sent some people there. They didn't come back, so I sent they some heavy hitters. They never come back. No, don't pull them back, Harvey. I will send my man. I'm like, Classic game. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Seriously, it's a great on-the-floor deal I can get in on a Harvey slash Gale deal. But yeah, he ends up send us i'll go i'll t- i'm like i i don't really care the thing about is the this. idea of somebody like i thought it was killer croc and like the underground of this warehouse where he's hiding out something along those lines even though he's probably still in like you know whatever i think it's alley town where he's running that hotel i don't know if he's still doing that shit but the idea that we have some kind of monster or something down there taking people out so that this organization can't go and just take over this land and or, uh, businesses so it's like when we have this going on Batman's on the case. He finds out about this oil that Ubu was in, how there's power stations around the area that used to use this. Doing some detective stuff. It's not too over-the-top interesting detective work, but it's detective work. But we have Batman go in. Gail Tenkoll shows up, and we find out that the person that are taking all these assholes down is Mr. Freeze. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, Mr. Freeze. I can get behind that. And then Mr. Freeze pretty much says, fuck you guys, ice bomb. So when they're fighting and stuff like that, you have Asmers being thrown and frozen. Doesn't matter. Batman and Gail Tenkoll, they know, recognize each other from 
fucking stories and legends. Who fucking knows? But it's just Mr. Freeze says, fuck you guys, I'm out, and then blows the building with ice, and it looks like our hero Batman has been frozen to death. I'm like, uh, thanks for stopping by, Mr. Freeze, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and actually, when I was reading this, ooh, Eric's gonna like this. He's got the two faces, he's got yeah. the Mr. Freeze, but they just kind of show up. Mr. Freeze just seems it's like if anybody, anything, that's where you flip the coin and like I okay, just want to be left alone. Yeah, he's just there. I mean, even the progression. Did you see what happened us. to me in one bad day? It wasn't good. It was not good. It was a bad day. It was. And then I like It'll where be Batman a cold goes day in. in hell before I show my face again. He goes to this cold you know, day in hell. Yeah, <laughs> he goes to this power substation because they found naphthenic oil all over. You know yeah. the deal. Like I thought that the, the you know Gale Tenclaw and the rest of it, they'd be a little smarter than that, but that's how they found Ubu. That just leads right to this one substation that's already going on, and there's freeze. It's one of four. He got lucky. But one, not once do they go freeze. What what did you do? Why are you? It, he just kind of gets there and then right away Bitches keep showing up and I want to be left alone I want to be left And then they start fighting And at one point Gale has the asthma in his hand It gets knocked out, frozen Like you said, them freeze bomb In the panels that look great I mean, they look fantastic Once Gale Tenclaw is in there And I'm seeing a lot of claws there I see a lot of there, ten there. See, and, uh, How many figures you got? It'd be funny if it was like if he was twelve claw That might be a little better like that's something special. This would be hey, there's Nephilim. Jimmy, there's Jimmy Ten Fingers. I'm like, okay, okay. Then and really, that's all you like, got going for. Our you. thumbs really fit. Start yelling, but it looks great. But then you just have Batman attack and yell, "The Wolf of Bez is Gijani," and then Damn, they right fight, it was. and then boom, no freeze, no <laughs> bomb, boom, and Suck everybody's it. frozen. Oh no, <laughs> I am sorry, Batman, but fuck you. And then you go to the backup, and the backup. I swear, is barely readable. This dialogue I'm and you, narration the, I, Not even is just the awful. idea of the dialogue, but going through where you're just trying to get into the head of, you know, Harvey Dent pretending to be Two-Face for the Olgrims and stuff like that, when it becomes a psychedelic freaking mindfuck or just dealing with the kid from the for- who was in the former issues of the backups, uh, I don't even know if that makes sense, but the kid that uh, Jim Gordon had in the backups previously, I don't know if they explained what he is, but he's knocking, you know, Harvey down, eating his scabs, talking to Two-Face of the Mind. Looking like a young Danzig, right? He's got that. It looks like Commandy with, with black hair is really what he does. looks like to me, yeah. And for a second, though, when I turned the page and I saw this kid on top of it, I didn't know who it was at first. And I see the long, like, you know, the long black hair that he has, and I realized that he's topless. I thought it was a topless girl at first. Like, what's DC doing? Oh, it's a boy. <laughs> but, like, this whole idea of this. It's just you have the the kid get inside Harvey's brain, but I have no idea how any of this really relates to the rest of the story because it is just a mind fuck for Harvey and Two Face with this kid. Where ultimately Doctor Mead gets away, and that's what Harvey's previously apologizing for because he was supposed to kill her. Yeah, he was supposed to kill her and couldn't, and that's where Two Face. I'll do it. You just let me do it. Nah, it's interesting enough there, but this whole thing just feels like nothing. And when you get to some of the panels where you have like. The face there, and it's kind of, that really feels like some of the stuff that we got in that swamp thing by Ram V. This is Cy Spurrier, but it feels like it's like it's pomp and circumstance over any sort of substance. It's supposed to wow you, but even that, you're like, hey, cry, baby, you have that of the mind, and oh my god, but it, nothing. And it's really so weird to well. about the idea of the different writers of DC doing different things because in here you have, you know, two, Harvey's father was a piece of crap who was in jail for spousal abuse, but then when you have the new. 
origin of Two-Face to give him that one bad day that was going to bring him back to Two-Face, you know, proper in that, in a main continuity kind of sense. There, his father was a legitimate man. He All he cared about was, you know, what people thought about him and stuff along those lines. So he's not a guy who would do spousal abuse and get arrested for it for the way that it's going back and forth. But it's just showing you that Two-Face was there. Big bad Harvey to be the protector to make sure that Harvey didn't have to deal with the brunt of his father. Yeah, so and there you bullies. go. Yeah, and bullies. Bully boys, they have. But yeah, it ends. And like I said, for the most part, I was pretty bored reading it. And that's, that's a well, shame. Well, half the issues recap. Yeah, and recap done like really slow. It's trying to make you think that things are happening, but they're not. We fast forwarded three days, so we have to tell Batman and the reader what's been going yeah, on. Yeah, that's the weird part of that. You fast forward three days, but then have to catch them up anyway. And then basically most of the thing is them walking through town. Hey, there's Wayne. I like your Wayne Manor. Can I visit? I don't live there. All right. See you later. Cool And beans. then you go up and see the substation. And we don't even really have a connection of all no, these things. No, we don't know what the plans are at this on. point. Yeah, so it's starting to really wear on me this whole deal. What would you give this overall? Ultimately, I love the art. The art for the main story, not exactly the backup, is the main thing going for this issue. But overall, I found myself bored as well for a series that I've been giving the benefit of the doubt and looking forward to because I want to know what the old ones are up to and how the story is going to elevate Detective Comics into a new era at DC Comics. 6.3 out of 10. Yeah, I'm a 6. I'm a, I'm a kiss my grit 6. And I think that it's one of those things where, you know, and I had said, uh, I was already backup, yelling. I'm at, not a fan of. Yeah, I was already yelling the second issue of this. Like, I need to know answers. I understand. Issue. But we still haven't gotten them. And you get a little. The the thing that I worry about in a lot of things like this with Ram V, he does this. He's doing Vendetta. it on some things with Carnage over at Marvel and his Venom stuff. But what he ends up doing in my mind, he's introducing the Orgums. And then you kind of mean by the time you end up getting to a point where I don't really care about, like, I want the organs to be a big bad. I want to see why they're a threat. I want to see all the stuff. But by the time you finally get around to it, I've kind of moved on from it. Like, yeah, they're just boring me up until then. You got to hit it. You got to hit something. You got to see if they are duping the prince. Like I think maybe see something behind the scenes. Maybe you have it. I think it's too. I don't know, too simplistic for Ram V to have somebody like, oh, man, wait till we do this or we're going to do that just to get you excited. Even the idea that Talia, the League of Assassins, that's just thrown in. And Bruce even says they were here for a reason. I think it was it. But we don't know. And that gets pushed aside. They're not there. And so by the time you get to, you know, what you really need, it's nine issues later. And you're just like, I just want it to end. I don't I hate that you get to a point of. Where you go from, oh man, I can't wait to see what happens, till you get to the point like, Jesus Christ, is this ever going to end? I felt the same way with War World, even though I enjoyed it for the most part, but it just went on too long. We liked that a lot. We did. But a lot of people had that same problem. The idea, come on, let's go. We were all excited. You got past the point. You're now on the downswing of the excitement when it ends. You don't need to do side quests. You need to up, up, up. And it's taking too long to do that. And it, it just, it's a shame. It's detective comics. A lot of people do like Ram V, but I think that it's it's the deal. His books don't sell great. And I think it's because of this, because most people probably get it in trade, whatever, because you get, but I'm not feeling like we really even started the story. I still want to know some things, but we'll move on to the next book, which is what, Eric? Action Comics number 1049, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by Mike Perkins, Lee Lowridge, Dave Sharp, David Lapham, and Trish Mulvihill. And we pick up where we left off previously, with Bibbo and Lois and the kids being attacked by the new gods, Ryan Kalabak, Metron, 
and decide. And this whole thing goes on for the idea that Superman shows up to take on the new guys, which I was all excited for for the previous issue and looking forward to in this issue. But even the idea where the new guys have bad information, because for some reason they know about Waterworld and the fire of Olgrim in there, which I think now that I'm saying that out loud, I think I was calling the Orgums Olgrim the entire time. Yeah, you, I because, think you said it. I don't like Because that, of the then. fire of Olgrim in this book for the idea that the big power source that we had, one of the seven parts of a god, of a first god and stuff like that, that was put into one of the Philosian kids in order to keep him alive. But the, the new gods are here because they want the fire of Olgrim. They realize that the kid has it and that Superman should be weaker because he spent all that time under a red sun in Warworld. But what they don't know is they changed the red sun into a white sun, giving Superman more power. and He wants to show it off. And more previously, I've been enjoying what Mike Perkins has been giving us from the Swamp Thing over to this and other things that he's been doing. This issue kind of falls flat for me for the way it looks because, look, Superman's more powered. He's going to show you. And I have no idea what is going on in these moments where he's trying to show me how he's more powered or what it even means. I, I, I'm with you. It's funny because I've been doing uh, reading clubs, a lot of reading clubs over at the uh, Patreon. And one of them is the Injustice uh, Reading Club. And it's so funny when I read this because... Very early in year one, Kalibak hears that Superman is no longer fighting and says, I'm going to go to Earth. I'm going to take care of it. And when he gets to Earth, oh, I remember that. He, he got the wrong info. It's just the same as this. He came down like, oh, you're not allowed to fight me. Here. And he's like, I think he got the wrong memo there. I'm actually fighting everybody who's being bad. And it was pretty funny when I saw this. It kind of made me smile. I guess Kalibak gets the wrong info all the time. But I did realize, though, that finally I found somebody that I would think is even more sus around kids than Desaad. I mean, Desaad is so bad, but Bibbo, holy crap, where's the unicorn van? He just pulled it back. Uh, Bibbo's in this, it's okay. I wanted more Bibbo-isms from him, actually. I wanted more the Popeye kind of talk. But you, you, got, was a little, you don't really get that. That's what's uh, Captain Strong. Yeah, I kind of like, like that, though. I kind of like that because it gives him that more of a flavor. You but. give the idea of Bibbo here and the idea of him being Superman's biggest fan for the idea that, you know, they're not super powered, even though the kids are. They're going to go and do what Superman can't because he's busy right now and save people. You know, what's funny is I'm sitting there reading it. Kind of forgot a bunch of the last issue, even though last issue, me and you had talked kind of at length about the idea of how this orion plays out and is he an orion who is now in control of new genesis apocalypse and we thought well the timing's weird because the superman has to go off and die all that stuff this actually spells it out as that but when the kids run off and bill hey kids where are you going we got to help so i'm sitting there and some reason i it didn't even click on me i'm like what them kids gonna do? Like I just thought they were random kids. Now, oh, those are the Flosian kids. Now it makes sense. I feel go. like such a dummy. But yeah, you go off, and it, it's it's nice, and I like that play. This issue itself, I think, is kind of treading some water because we're getting to this 1050, and then even an important 1051 where it turns into an anthology and actually pushes stuff towards this dawn of DC. So I do think that you can't tell too much. I do like this idea of the kids, and I do like the idea of the kids being that there's some problems. They, they're going to run into some issues. Also, is going to end up where he might go insane. He might well, be taken also over. Also, with the power of the fire of Olgrim inside him, it seems at one point to actually take him over and shows like a godlike creature, which is, seems like Olgrim coming out of him, where the point where even the new gods, with him being a Philosian, I don't even know if, the, if that even matters, but with this fire of Olgrim coming out of him in this weird, you know, smoky shadow king sort of way coming out, 
there's nothing that they can really do because if this kid doesn't want to go with them, they can't overcome him at this point in time, especially with the Superman protecting him. So it's like, all right, we're going to go fuck off the Apocalypse or New Genesis, wherever we're going to go right now. But you know what? We're still going to get this fire at some point because it's it's New God stuff. I actually like by the end when they, and you're right. I mean, they might put up a, a strong front here. Hey, we're going to get out of here. Like they're like, let's get the hell out of here. This kid has this. We got to go. But he, you end up having Orion. And, and Superman does address a bit of what we had from last issue where we said this does not feel like an Orion. Orion who would go to Superman and maybe, you know, start out a little less, you know, fighty fighty. He might actually try. But at the end says, listen, this kid's going to have big problems and it's on you. And when we have to come back and rip that out of him, you're to blame, not us. And we will be back and to get it. And I thought that that was a really good play because. That sets up the stakes of all this. And well, Ryan it, is just pointing fingers this whole time because even the idea where it's like, all right, we want the fire of Ogram. Oh, it's in that kid. We're going to take the kid. No, you're not. Well, you see that kid just hey, powered up as the fire of Ogram right now. That's going to go and drive him mad at some point. The power is going to overtake him. And when we come back and we have to extract from him, and if the boy dies, that's also on you. No matter what they do at this point, it's gonna, oh, that's on you, Superman. We oh, didn't I'm do telling shit. You, I love it. I love Orion's playing that game. Like He goes off and stubs his toe. On New Genesis, it's Superman's fault because of all this. That's it's, on it's, you, Superman. That's on you, buddy. Uh, but I like that because I do think that while Superman wants to, you know, put up that brave front, he wants to be like, you know what? You can think you're going to get the kid, but you're going to have to go through me and whatever. I think it's going to start to worry him and they'll have to figure this out and they'll have to do something by the end because it probably is something that might consume him. And the kid right away also says, am I going to become that guy? Is this? No, no, don't worry, I'll never let that happen. But I think Superman might be giving promises his ass might not be able to cash here, Eric. Is that what they say? Because I think that he wants to say the good thing. He wants to to assure the kid. Yeah, and it might not be that. And he better start looking into it, which I think is really cool. I, I like that part. But to get there, you have a big, long fight. You end up having some fun little moments, but I don't know. It well, just that's going to be the majority of the fun much. going on yeah. because even after that's done, two days later, we go back to War World to talk to the people that you know Superman has liberated with their help, obviously, to tell them, yes, I did a lot of cool shit as the unbloodied sword, but really, the power was within you guys all along. We're going to go find you new homes, but don't you worry. No one's ever going to come back and enslave you again. And to let you know this, I'm going to burn Superman symbols on your chest plates, even though in the previous issue... I mean, issue. In previous panels, it looks like you're all wearing them anyway. So the progression of story and art here, I have no idea what they're doing. And I like that. I like the Mike Perkins art really in the Lex stuff with Metallo, with Corbin, but in the other, the idea that he burns, uh, what are you doing, Superman? I mean, even if he's just branding clothes, maybe they didn't want that, right? But you end up, even then, I'm like, I don't know that I want like that as a nickname, the unblooded sword. I, I wouldn't go He's with had that. It for like, a while now. You don't make your own nicknames. I'm telling you, I wouldn't bring that to Earth. Let's keep that on War World. You get it. That's why he sends them away. But he does have the the speech. And it, again, it felt like Philip Kennedy Johnson was trying to give, hey, this is the Superman speech. But, but I feel like I've already heard it throughout the I've World, heard World it stuff. Like, yeah, that, and I've heard it in every other book as well. I mean, this even is like the stupid speech we got in Heroes in Crisis. Everything that has Superman like that, he steps up when his identity was. And he says, you know, hey, I kind of talked to the Federation. We're going to set you up and off you go. And then they leave. It just feels like you have to get War World completely out to get to the 1050. It's not going to be involved with that. So off you go. 
You guys will sort that out later. And by the when- end of this whole thing, when we do have Superman leave and everybody's still yelling for the unbloodied sword, you do have the monstrosity orphan and darling here just sitting back, pinging along as they do. I don't know if they're going to be good guys, bad guys, what their deal is, but they're just chilling out there. And we're left to wonder, oh, my God, what, what role are they going to play going forward? But when you go back to Earth and the idea where Alexis has been trying to get John Corbin's, you know, Metallo's help this whole time to go up against Superman, we have the idea where it looks like Lex, you know, has done some, has framed Metallo's sister for murder. And now the idea like, look, I got you a new body. I'm going to get you out of here. You got to work for me. Your sister's going to face the death penalty or maybe life in prison. I don't know how things work. So you have Metallo apprehensively joining Lex because he's, wants to save his sister. And I like this way that he's leaving Strikers Island where it's all been set up. And this one guard who called him Corbin the entire time, not Metallo like everybody else, he's on shift and Metallo did not plan on this. So now he's got to kill Tony when he had planned on killing Victor. And he didn't want to kill Tony. Poor yeah, John Tony Corbin. ended up needing an extra shift probably. You worked you know, too hard, Tony. I always tell you. his crippled son's surgery or something. He's Metallo like, why did you do stuff that? Remains the stuff that I really look forward to in this book because we don't get enough Metallo, especially because we saw Jor-El kill him previously when it was Mr. Oz. Nobody's going to talk about that aspect, but he's here. He's cool. I want to see him take on Superman like reluctantly. Another cool thing with the idea that we're talking about, like, you know, back in Detective Comics with the Dawn of News DC coming or whatever it's called, where you got to get Two-Face back as Two-Face. You got to get Lex back. Lex is a little over the top here more. Like, it, here's he's been the thing. Recently. You want to hear? You want to laugh at me? <laughs> you laugh. I think that Lex is a little bit too scummy here. Yeah. It ended up where I'm a prude. I am. So I like the real smart Lex. Me too. That you're still at the point you're like, Holy shit, did let this is like almost right on front street. You know what I did? I killed these two guys and put the gun in your sister's hands. It felt too dirty. It felt too Well, don't worry, scummy. Jamie. You know we hired somebody else to do it. No. I know, but it felt, <laughs> it felt too on like, I like the idea where it, when it first started, be a shame if your sister can't come and visit. That's Lex like, oh my God. And, and we find out that instead of Lex actually doing something, he actually did something that helped the sister, but made her not be able to go and visit. I'm telling you, like something where he hired her to do a job that she works on the weekends and misses the hours. And that's the play. Corbin thinks, oh, my God, you fuck with my sister. But he ended up doing something good. It just didn't allow her to go visit. Instead, put the gun here at this day. And it just felt a little too dirty. But yeah, he, he's a little too the over deal. the top for me for the, what we've seen previously. Relax. It feels like an all new, I'm sure all different some people liked it. But going forward with a new, darker kind of tone to it, a more like, you know, the crooked businessman that we once saw, maybe the late 90s, early 2000s version of it, who just hates Superman more than anything. Not somebody who's, you know, put on a super suit and actually worked with him for a while, was on the Just League. That, you know, maybe after Apex Lex, he's going back to basics with this whole thing. But somebody else who's going back to basics seems like the inside man that Lex had on Warworld, so he would know about the technology there, was Manchester Black, a part of Superman's authority. So I like seeing that here. And even the idea that Lex double crosses him, that's where it goes a little bit over the top, especially with the over-the-top villain laughter that he gives when he knocks out, you know, Manchester Black there, who doesn't like John Corbin, doesn't want to play ball with Lex. So you have all of these moments here. It's just Superman is not the most interesting part of all of this. Yeah, uh, again, like we said about Detective and Batman, were you mad that Manchester Black just lit that cigarette and then he gets knocked out of his mouth? Uh, a waste of a cigarette. Uh, I also think that it's weird, like the different angles of Lex. He goes from a dumpy guy to a sexy guy <laughs> like any angle he always seems to change a bit he looks like the lead singer of creed a little at the end when he says i don't need you interested black if he had a little hair obviously but yeah manchester black was selling out superman but is that a shock 
I don't no. think so. He's kind of a I actually thought it was really weird no. that Manchester Black was ever on the Superman's authority team. But like, you know, going back to basics is fine with me. It almost is like the idea because we had heard or there was, you know, some sort of rumor that there was a dupe. There was a, a mole yeah. and, and the war world deal. This feels like the way the thing is, is that Manchester Black went afterwards to talk to him because even, oh, I heard that you did this on War World. Like, this is something brand new since he came back, which kind of threw me off a little. But it was kind of, we would realize, I mean, that is the person you would have picked that would have ended up doing something bad because he's not a good guy. And like you said, him working with Superman never really felt that right anyway. But some of the stuff, like I said, I like the kids. I want to see more of them. You're going to end up getting more of a family deal. And when we do get after, you know, two more issues from now, the anthology deal, we will have Bill Kenny Johnson continuing this story. Then we're going to have a continuation of the Lois and Clark book from Rebirth right after Convergence by Dan Jurgens, giving you the growing up of John Kent, which I thought people would be excited about. I saw a bunch of John Kent fans too little too late. I'm like, Oh, well, we'll we'll like it, and or hopefully we do. And then you'll have Leah Williams doing a Power Girl story for three issues, starting it off. And I said to everybody when I did a Dawn of DC podcast on the Patreon, like kind of a special deal, uh, ended up saying that I can't wait for you to read through some Leah Williams with me because you might lose your mind. It's, it's that crazy. Sometimes maybe this will be pretty cool, and you love Power Girl. So that's what would be going on with. So that's kind of exciting. I mean, having a bunch of things. And just as an aside, the price won't go up either. So that's kind of cool. But we have a backup. And the backup, when you get to that, it's like, I I don't know. It's like one of those things with Thala. I kind of just am done. This is where I said. Where Thala, we had something interesting where she had the the Genesis was powering her up. And it also was giving her withdrawal like it was a heroin or something like that. And it was killing her as well. So we had to put her inside a suspended animation to make sure that she was able to survive all of this. Then all the withdrawal just kind of went away. Same with Superman as well. Never really brought back up because we need to get past that. That sole story beat was dropped. Now we got to show you that Thala all powered up. She's the hero just like Supergirl, just like Superman, or anyone in the Superman family. And all the buildup of Chadle, the uh, legless, one-armed, you know, Mongol who was, or the destroyer of Mongol who was. She's got a lot of chains. The oldest war zoom right there with the longest chains. He had come to Earth looking for revenge previously, and he used some magic and some science to put all his men together to make a big bad monster man. But Thala shows up, takes it out immediately, and then we jump to weeks later where Thala is on War World, where Chato is locked up. But all of a sudden, was it Krillux? Yeah. The, the new leader of War World outside of Superman, this boom tubes in, even though I think he should still be on War World to say, hey, the, the he you Mongo was, what's going on? So. This is going to continue on for some reason, but I have no idea why. Yep. And that's the craziest thing. This is maybe as the story progresses, the really the reason why Krillux ended up killing Mongol instead of Superman. Most well, Superman's not going to kill anyway, but you have Krillux do it so that now he can say, I'm kind of Mongol. I'm the one who slayed him. And you have it earlier just thrown out there that, oh, Chadle, yeah, he always serves the one who kills Mongol. There you go. And he. The real thing that it seemed at the end of that story, he was upset at, you know, the Federation of Planets, the United Planets, because of how they treated him and kind of duped him. And so he wanted revenge. So I maybe that's it. I, I don't know. But this is what I was saying about world world my continues. fears. Well, this is what I was saying in my fears. Maybe it'll be like, I don't know, because now we have Bill Kenny Johnson of only part of that. Might not have room for that. I, we'll have to see. But what I said about you know, the Orgums, by the time we find out about them, 
I'm not that excited. I, I need to know. And this is how I feel of Thela and even Krillox. Like, I'm kind of bored with them. We got that story done. Let's move forward. And we're still dealing with them. And it just feels like, eh, you know, it's it's not that great anymore. And let's move on fully. But we'll see. And doesn't seem like we're moving fully on. But what would you give this? Uh, the art and the backup's okay. And I don't really care for the art. For like, it was just, I found bits of it very confusing with Mike Perkins, even though I have been like it on the Mike Perkins trolley lately with what he's been putting out. But the story in the main book really doesn't go anywhere. I'm interested in things with Metallo and Luther and stuff like that. But it's a slow burn overall. But we just kind of keep reiterating stuff. The Fire of Olgrim, we knew something was bad last issue. Now we actually see it. So it's still there. But we didn't really progress much from where we were on the previous issue, so I ended up giving this a 5.9 out of 10. Yeah, I think I'm going to go 6 again, huh? I'm going to have a lot Kiss of kiss my grits. It's kind of that kind of week for me. And I, I, I know that we end up talking about it sometimes, but not always. But the idea that we are in the middle of a big crisis that's going to be ending, this does feel like when we end up having like a DCYOU, where at the end of that, some of the books are like, well, we got to kind of, you know, have two issues out here because the big thing's coming up next. And I think that that is where once we get to the new year after the dark crisis is over, we'll get to see, you know, these books starting to progress. But it is very obvious that some of these this week are really in neutral and it's kind of upsetting. But we'll move on to the next one that should have nothing to do with that era. Sure. Because it is an Elseworlds. It's DC versus Vampires number 11, Pen Ultimate, written by James Tynan and Matthew Rosenberg, art by Otto Schmidt. Francesco Motorino and Per Luigi Coelino. They're all on pencils. There's three pencilers in this thing. And Tom Napolitano. They're all involved, Eric. And, and it all this, seems like they only did half their job. Yeah, yeah it's weird. I, I had a some problem with some of the progressions. Some yeah. of the freaking finished work on, you know, like, well, even the idea when you have some superheroes show up with Martian Manhunter to, like, you know, really recognize, like, oh, here's Power Girl, here's Wonder Girl, KG Beast. And like Mr. Freeze, there is someone like behind all of them whose fist is going further and a white costume. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. Yeah. It looks like it was, you know, drawn in by somebody else later on who didn't, is not really a penciler. I, they, they might, I don't know that, that far, but I think that there was some extra added things in. You get that because I thought, like you said, I've had issues with the art all around. I know that you like Otto Schmidt. I do I too. Do. But I had problems at points with progressions. Now, this is nothing like that all-out war. But when you get to this main book, I at least count on being able to see and tell what the progressions are. And I'm just I, happy I this had has colors here. instead of tones because well, at yeah, least it's exactly. a full-bloody color. I, I still ended up having some issues with it. And with one issue left, you're adding suddenly huge things and kind of, again, kind of meandering a bit. When we go to Gotham... And you have Damien and his crew in there with Batgirl and Frankenstein. You end up where that's going, but you can't really get much going because you're going to have the big finale next issue. And really, not much gets going. No, even the idea where we have different stories going on. We have our one team in Australia and we have our other team in Gotham. And it's just like, okay, here's Damien Wayne, Harley Quinn, Black Canary, Batgirl, and Frankenstein. They're going to fight through hordes of vampires for the entire issue. We're going to go over to Australia, see what Steel's up to with his, you know, uh, Jaina and Supergirl story going on. Where Steel will, for some reason, come off talking about how he hates filthy aliens because the majority of them just want to come and take over Earth, even though Jaina and Supergirl are both aliens. I'm like, this xenophobe Steel feels very odd to me. Feels very odd, right? But it now really the story odd. over here, because we're not dealing with just, you know, since vampires aren't enough, we have to have the idea that with Dick Grayson, King Vampire, 
he is taking over the world, but he doesn't want to create threats across the other worlds in the universe. So all the aliens on Earth, we're going to round them up, ship them back home because he can't kill them because he doesn't want to piss any aliens off who will then come and take over his world after he takes over the world that he knows as vampires. So we have this whole other thing where now we're shipping off, like rounding up the aliens and shipping them back to the planet so we don't piss off the Which we never heard of. You you would think that the humans would have heard about this, and especially because two of the three characters that are there with Steel are aliens. And so when you have that, now I don't know where they're shipping Kara because there's no planet to ship to, but they even say at one point, they say to, you know, uh, Jaina, we'll get you to your planet. It just... Out of nowhere, you're thrown in that almost like it was like, oh, man, like somebody came up. It it was an answer to the question nobody asked. Nobody would sit there and say, oh, my God, what about the aliens? I don't think this would ever come up. The only way or reason is because you have to get a way for Supergirl to get in space. She has to get above the clouds, the covering that the vampires made and hit sunlight. How else are you going to do that? Well, alien spaceships because they're taking them out doesn't make sense Not even like alien spaceship is so weird because we have to shuttle them off in a rocket like it's from nasa instead of actually showing some like high-tech dc oh, yeah, you know, yeah. technology it, this is earth technology to exactly. try to get them off but wouldn't it have been easier to et phone home you know if i'm there and i'm from you know new genesis well first off i'm using a boom tube because i'm a classy fella eric but if you weren't you you'd just call somebody come and get me i'm out of here whatnot I don't know. It just it out of nowhere seemed to be something that the way and I think this is more Matthew Rosenberg writing this than James Tynan. It's like story idea by James Tynan and then Matthew Rosenberg writing the script at this. Didn't it feel like when he revealed this alien thing that it was supposed to be this? Oh, my God, that's the most clever thing I ever heard. And it makes sense. And Even the characters go, man, that's brilliantly smart. And I. No, maybe it, if that it was one of the no spinoffs sense. that we had, the tie-in books where you go like, you know, DC versus vampires, the alien problem. Yeah, DC versus vampires, blast off with the alien nation. <laughs> that'd be that'd be funny. So you end up having that like this whole play of we got to get to Australia. We really didn't know exactly why. What it seemed like there was something there to be able to get Kara some sunlight. I just thought there was going to be a little sunlight there. I don't know on the outback. And even the idea of DC versus vampires, the front cover we have here, which I was looking forward to all week, was Green Arrow versus a vampire Carter Hall Hawkman. You don't even get that. Even when you go to Smallville. Yeah, because the concentration yeah, that's the take. other story that we do get to, to retell the joke you liked the first time. Yeah, we're going to pee on Swamp Thing to get them all juiced up and stuff like that. And pretty much we just have, we brought Swamp Thing into the previous issue with Green Arrow and Grifter reluctantly coming along, like, you know, hanging out with Green Arrow. But he's just pretty much, all right, we're going to pee on the Swamp Thing so we can produce some stuff. We're just making spears and a bow for me and some arrows out of the swamp thing, making sticks out of his asshole. That's yeah, essentially exactly. all we do with Green Arrow. And and say twice, hey, were you in there peeing on each other? No, we already did that. We're not doing it. Hey, what's going on? You're peeing on yourself? No, we're not doing it. I don't like this joke. Yeah, just but that's you're continuing this. You only have one thing with them, this joke. And I'm like, all right, whatever. But you move on and then they're going to have to fight their way out. But you don't do anything with them. You just have them, like you say, they're armed up with butt bow and, and you know, ass spear. That's what I'll call them. And so then you go back to Gotham 
And again, is there any? That's funny. Is there any stakes here? Uh, <laughs> what are the stakes? <laughs> is but is there when you have well, this stuff the at idea, this the, point? Well, I'm saying the, the idea what we had previously was like, all right, Batgirl came in. We found out she had a grand plan as soon as she would get into Gotham because she's been smuggling in parts for people, even though she had no idea how to get in previously or how to do anything. But we have set up UV bat signals all over the city to take on the vampires for when they have their big push here, especially when you have Cassandra Kane show up, Roy Harper, and uh, Duke Thomas the signal. They come in as backup to help the team out, take on these vampires. But all of a sudden, we're not doing anything with these lights anymore. And nobody's affected. And even who I thought Gorilla Grodd got killed last issue by the UV lights, he's here anyway. So maybe I was mistaken this whole well, thing. Well, you also have Martian Manhunter that we're not really sure I was that previ- he was uh, alive. Previously, or- Martian Manhunter and Miss Martian are both looks like lieutenants of the vampires because they're powerful vampire aliens and stuff like that. But I thought the idea was... That because of the Martian biology, they couldn't become vampires. But now here they are, larger-than-life vampires. In that, I know that you have the motorcycles going around. And at points, I thought maybe, but not fully. I would have made those lights on those freaking motorbikes. That would have been cool, zipping around, getting well, the headlights. I'm just hoping that the signal's chest plate is shining that kind of light out there. That'd but be I don't awesome, know. too. Why not the motorbikes, Eric? You're going around the motorbikes, right? You look like mods there. Oh, and also there. And Stephanie Brown's there as well. Yeah. And it, it, again, it's we're at fight. this point. We're at this point where we kind of we got to get to Gotham. We got to get to Gotham. We got to take down Dicky Boy. And then all of a sudden, hey, the Calvary's here. Oh my God, it's the Robin. But it's you're kind of gone from there. It, it ends up where it's like the book's catching up at this point, just to end. And then when we get this alien stuff out of nowhere, it just feels like Deus Machina to end up. Okay, that's how Supergirl's going to get up into the atmosphere. And they're like, no, blow up that, you know, rocket. We can't let her get there. Like, everybody knows the deal. Yeah, maybe, or that's her, you know, I don't know. We'll see how it goes by that. It might be a little dupe, but, you know, Lobo is there just to throw Lobo in there. I'm saying the whole alien thing to get us into space, rounding up aliens and send them home so we don't have an intergalactic threat coming for the vampire nation. You have all this added in at the 11th hour, which is for the story progressed. But even for Supergirl to get on the rocket undetected, you continue on with the idea of Jaina having her brother's powers, but differently than her brother used them. For some reason, never explained. It just happens. So we can dupe Martian Manhunter to make him think that Supergirl is under the sheet when it's actually a water construct. But it doesn't matter. It's even then, Martian Manhunter field. says, like, what's going on? She goes, oh, I learned new powers. Uh, that doesn't explain anything. You, you didn't have those. Pa- those were your brother's powers, which I said to you before we even recorded. She's using more than her own powers. She's just using this water power over and over that she doesn't have. And yeah, it's when for is she going to become an animal at some point? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a party animal. Maybe she spuds Mackenzie on the weekends. I don't know. But you end up where everything that happens, even this conversation at the beginning, you know, Constantine and Alfred, just everything just doesn't feel right. And it feels like everything's put on hold for a penultimate issue. And I just, I don't get it. I, I really don't get what happened to this book, but it really ended up losing. Maybe it was when it, it kind of went away for a while. Then it came back. We were excited for it, but it hasn't really done much since. And you're just changing rules and doing that. So, And the art, I think, does suffer in this issue, like you said. And some of the progression is hard to even follow. Uh, and then Steel being the xenophobic jerk. That really I, I, threw I, me off. Yeah, it did. Like, we're dealing with vampires right now. Why are you mad at aliens? Yeah. I don't know why, and this this might be something that you'll laugh at me about, too. But if I got turned into a vampire, I don't know that I'd call, like, non-vampires, like, humans. Like, I want to sit, like, because I was one that I'd have some other term. 
like you know, non-vampire. That's what I'd call America. That's the idea where you call people having sex with virgins. Exactly. Once you get bitten, though, you ain't a virgin no more. I guess. I just it it just that was just an aside when they were talking. But then you even have like these. Hey, I know you, and you're like, I don't know you. I don't know what you're saying. Oh my God, Frankenstein, he's in trouble, and I did, I couldn't follow him. I was also kind of pissed off during the fight where Damian Wayne, you know, vampire, who's a good vampire for whatever, however that fucking works, whatever reasons, but he's stabbing through Frankenstein to kill vampires. Like he is still a person. Have a little respect right now. I'm like, I got a zombie. No, actually, I'm a reanimated corpse. That was okay. I will tell you also, just as the progression goes, you end up where it's like three pages to just set up this jump of a ramp over the barricade uh, it just there wasn't now much going my on toys. yeah there really wasn't i know and you're like i imagine it's like one of those things where you have the movie where you have to see that jump in 18 different angles as it goes I'm like oh there it is but then when they get to the other side they're like, all right, we left all those that oh no we have another crew and they look pretty powerful yeah how does somebody turn Mr. Freeze into a vampire, and why does he still need a <laughs> containment suit when he is a vampire? That's just his look. He ends up needing it because it's gotta be of his look. got to be on brand no matter what. Exactly. That's what happens there. People were talking. It's funny because people were talking about the Cosmic Ghost Rider, where there's a new book coming out. And he has almost a similar look, right? He has that helmet on, which he doesn't need to breathe in space because he's the Cosmic Ghost Rider. And they say, you know why he has it? Because he thinks he does. That's it. That's the official explanation. I think maybe Mr. Freeze just goes with it because he's always had it. That's kind of what he does. So I don't know. But at the end, it was a little bit of a disappointment. Hopefully, it can all be pulled together and we'll get a really good finale. Uh, what would you give this issue? A lot of this issue feels like either forced to get us to the next scene, even though it's the 11th hour and they're coming up with new things for us to do or ways for it to happen that feel out of place to begin with, or it's just a big action scene that goes nowhere ultimately with our entire gotham crew and the art is very lackluster throughout i like the auto schmidt parts but as the issue progresses it gets lesser and lesser in my mind even the coloring which i appreciate having because all out war being this the tones always bothered me but even the coloring it's it's not great because you have a lot of just orange backgrounds so like you know it's supposed to look like fire or whatever but like to be the ambiance but it doesn't do much for me so a 5.5 out of 10 I'm going to go 5.5 as well, but that is it for the first section of books. It's in the book, as they say, and we'll be off. We'll have a little break, and we'll be back with more of this goodness. And it is time for the mail, and it's another question of the week from Luis. And if you want to get involved in the mail and become a star like Eric Shea, Hi. all you have to do is email us at weirdsciencedccomics at gmail.com. That will be in the show notes, I believe. And away you go, then. And here is Luis. You Luis go. ends up having the pop culture-esque question this week. He says, hello, Jim, Eric, and the only crew. That beats all other podcast fans to get fresh crew. Question of the week is for both of you, but I want to ask Eric a quick question. Did you see Halloween Ends? I did. Really? You're talking to Eric Shea. Why are you saying it to him? You're asking me. 
Well, I'm reading what he asked. Oh, that's okay. what he asked. And he says, I saw... Like, at first, I want to ask Eric this before no, we get to the question. No, that's what he said. Okay. Question of the week is for both of you, but I want to ask Eric a quick question. Did he see Halloween Did ends? Did you watch Halloween did. ends, Jim? No. no. What am I? What I'm an punk. adult. I'm an adult. You look at the size of a child. You're fun size at best. I saw Halloween ends and was very disappointed with the ending after the new trilogy started so good. What did you think, Eric? About the new Halloween trilogy, I don't think it started very good. And each each movie did its own thing. And it's funny what everybody is all upset about the ending to it because it did its own thing, creating, spoiler alert, Corey Cunningham to be a new Michael Myers. But they didn't even go that far to have the final showdown between Jamie Strode, right? Laurie, Jamie Lee <laughs> Curtis, to Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. But the thing is, they tried to tell you from the get-go and even in other sequels of this trilogy, Laurie Strode wasn't the main character. She, there's no reason to have that final battle for what they set up in the original or the original 2018, you know, remake sequel kind of thing continuation. Well, if they hadn't that is the idea where, you know, they're not brother and sister. There's no reason for them to have a connection. We forced connection and then we got rid of it and did our own thing. But each individual movie, I don't think was very good on its own merits and it went away from what I really enjoyed about Halloween for the first six movies. Did, did it have the a wolf, wolf man, man in it? It did all. not, Jim. It didn't? Did it have vampires? vampires Classic Jim content. Uh, yes. Uh, and then he goes Bringing on. Bringing everything says, to the party. Here's the quote. I mean, I do have my Halloween quote. I want to play the game. <laughs> yep. Uh, yes. Uh, but here. Here's my question of the week. Uh, what was something you really enjoyed and they disappointed you at the end? I'm, I'm sure Jess and, and Tanya would have a, a lot of things to say about that. TV, movies, comics, whatever. Or all three says, uh, I'm going to go first, Eric. My, my worst video game ending, I thought, was Mass Effect 3. I, I actually tried to get you into playing the Mass Effect games at one point when we I worked together. I played a little bit of Mass Effect 1. Yeah, and so Mass Effect 3 had all these choices you made throughout the game, and you're like, oh, my God, uh, you know, sitting there and pondering, which, and at the end, you saw it made no difference, and that actually really upset me, almost duping you towards the end, and I'll just give you both my TV was actually, and this is something me and you talked about, it just kind of made me feel, I don't know, just dirty or whatever, was Roseanne when that ended, and then you find out that the last couple seasons were all of the mind because Dan had died. For the last season, yeah. And I'm like, John Goodman was dead that whole time. But he died of a heart attack. If you would have watched the Connors me. when it came back, you found out that, Doesn't oh, no, matter. that wasn't real. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But still, that was when I saw that that disappointed me. I know a lot of people were disappointed by like Seinfeld and stuff Dr. like that. Sam even, Beckett never returned home, Jim. Oh, my goodness. Can you travel through town? I was waiting for you to say that would be your deal. But what are your deals for the uh, well, disappointing Sam, The biggest thing that disappointed me, whether it's comics, movies, whatever the whole thing was, the big thing in 1993 when Jason Goes to Hell came out, you had that great you know cliffhanger ending where the mask is laying there, Jason's been subdued, and all of a sudden, Freddy's glove came out and grabbed the mask as you hear the laugh going down. It's like, oh my god, Freddy versus Jason is next. And then I followed it for a decade. Ten long years of looking at early internet message boards to get news, reading Fangoria magazine, so it's been a decade. 2003, Freddy versus Jason finally came out, and I hated it because the way they like portrayed Jason as this big lumbering Frankenstein was just the worst. It's better if you're just a Nightmare on Elm Street fan because Freddy was fine in that movie, but Every aspect about Jason Voorhees was just awful. And that was your deal. I really thought you were going to say the old Sam Beckett deal. That's why I had that ready. That was upsetting. Uh, yeah, and things like I said, I watched The Sopranos all the way through, and they ended up, and at first I was upset where you cut to black for the ending. But the more I thought about it later, I actually kind of calmed down about that one, so I didn't put that. And then you have some people. I even looked up, like, what do people think are the, the worst things in the endings? 
telling you, me and you bring up that St. Elsewhere's ending so much that I could never throw shade at it. We use that so much that the whole series is just in the mind of an autistic child who had a snow globe. That was like number one on tons of lists. They had stuff like Smallville. Where you were waiting, 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 and didn't really get the payoff by the end of that as well. And I love stuff. Smallville. So, yeah, and uh, I think they even had a bad thing. I don't even remember how Lois and Clark ended back in the day. But never really watched Lois and Clark all that much. It just seems so cheap all the time. Yeah, yeah. So all in all, though, I, I I'd have a couple different video game one. Heavy Rain was one of the ones that I thought it ended kind of shitty, but you had a bunch of endings. But I only worked through a couple, and things didn't work out well for me. Eric, but those are back in the day. I'm surprised you got to an ending in a video game. Oh, yeah. I used to play them all the time. Oh, I used to play them all the time. I never thought you got to the end. Well, yes, I did. I'm going to get to the end of you in a minute and slice your throat. So, And that might be a little disappointing to some of those Eric Shea fans out there. See, I'm already making the next round of mails for some other podcast down the line. But, yeah, that that, the Roseanne deal, I just... When I found out, and it was like, ah, oh, that that kind of sucks. That kind of feels bad. But now, did you find out, or did you actually watch it because you liked watching? No, I Roseanne. watched it. I okay. watched it. Yeah, I ended up watching that, and it just I, I, other things where I saw the finale of How I Met Your Mother. That was disappointing, but I wasn't a real big fan of the show. I was just watching it with Logan. He was a fan. He was upset, but all other things on that though, uh, most things disappoint me by the end. So it's kind of a you know, thing I'm used to. But that is the mail. That's a quick one there for the question of the week. Thanks, Luis. And as I said, if anybody wants to get involved, send in about anything. Comics, movies, love, Eric, horror movies that you do love. It's weird science, DC Comics at gmail.com. But we're going to go off to finish with three strong books. Eric Shea's book of the week will be in this next section, and that is crazy. He already revealed it to me. I'm not going to spoil it's too much. Your, your book of the week as well. Nah, I don't know. In this I, you're going to have to, well, overall, book of the week, I don't know. I'm going to have to see. We're going to have to see. You have no idea. I might have a 50-way tie. Did 50 books come out this week? 50 ways to bore your reader? Is that the Paul Simon song for this? I don't know, Eric, but we'll go off to the final section of books. Yes, Eric, they love that punchline, don't they? I say it every week when we have the podcast. And I believe that 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 song might be shots fired. I love punchline. He might think that at least, but it's not. What are you talking about? One of your favorite characters of all time is Harley Quinn. I do like Harley Quinn a lot. I'm like less and less as well. I'm telling you, I like her now. At one point, I did love her. And maybe I will again, Eric. But 
Stephanie Phillips, I don't know. She ends up doing this weird deal where when I think that she's finally done it, and okay, we're back to something good, she just pulls the rug right out from under me. It's the week of meander. It is. It is the week of meander. And it's weird because you almost have that a bit in the punchline book, and that's only two issues in. But I kind of, and I will give a little wink-wink to I Love Punchline. The idea that Harley's first in this section is totally shots fired. I ended up, I was going to put the punchline book first. And then I thought, nope, I'm going to put Harley first. Just seniority, Eric, is why I did that. But here we go. We have three more books. And as I said, we have Harley Quinn. We have Punchline the Gotham Gaming out of Tim Drake Robin. One of these books will be Eric Shea's Book of the Week. Will it be one of your Book of the Weeks? Will. Who knows? Because I don't, Eric. I have no idea. No idea whatsoever. I don't really come down with a score before. I don't. But I kind of think that nothing really got over like a 6-5, I think. But the whole idea, I come in clean slate, Eric. I, I come in clear. I, yeah, you're really in the fives this this week. And yeah, when we go, I always leave that little bit of a hope that you're going to elevate the score in my mind because of your just cheery goodness that you give me. And it might be this book, Harley Quinn, number 24. Is this the book, Eric? Is no, this the one no, that people want to hear? Oh, my God, it could be. I don't How think so. How dare you? Harley Quinn number 24, almost to the landmark 25. Eric. I don't know if you realize that, that that comes next. And she's really pushing it, so we'll see. Written by, I mean, pushing it in my, you know, patience. Well, she real Written good. by uh, Stephanie Phillips, art by Matteo Aloli, Rain Barreto, and M-World Design. And we have this Death of Harley deal, and I thought that the kind of deal was Let's get back to Kevin and Harley. I really love Kevin in this book, me and you both do. And the idea of having Kevin be the one person that seemed to be on Harley's side when she died. And he's going to go through hell and high water to bring her back. And then it kind of just got pushed aside. And now it's Harley. And somehow Stephanie Phillips thinks it's better to have Zaz in this, even though Harley seems to know Zaz is not involved. But yeah, we'll still have Zaz almost trying to play jokes. But they're not really good jokes, and there you go. The end, Eric. But, yeah, this whole play of this whole series and everything that's going on here, it's just meandering, like you said, to get to that 25. But by the end, the cliffhanger, I I, I saw some people in reviews saying, man, when I saw the cliffhanger, I was cheering out loud. Really? It is the best part of the book. my eyes were rolling that we have a Harley Quinn who laughs. By the end, it's just... I'm telling you, I'm not going to be happy with however it's explained in the next issue or whatever issue we're going to get back to it, but at least it's something in this book that's different than what's going on here, because when we landed the last issue, Harley Quinn died. She came back. Did she come back right? We want to know, because it seemed like she had a mean streak going on. She was going to change, be the old Harley Quinn, but first she was going to find her killer and do it with extreme prejudice, and it looked like she was going after Victor Zaz. And when we jump into this issue... Old Zaz is going after somebody, and the cult of Harley's takes him down so Harley Quinn can interrogate him, but it's more along the lines of he's the one person that she knows didn't kill him, because he's a guy who, like, he, when something's off in Gotham, he's a guy for the way a psychosis works, he's able to see it before anybody else, so she wants to talk to him about this whole thing, but in the way that works out, I'm still kind of confused, because when I saw Harley die, I thought she was stabbed, and then in the previous issue, I swear that they said she was shot, but in this one, when Victor says, you know, the idea of stabbing you to death, she never corrects him, so I'm like, is it back to stabbing now? I don't know. I don't know. And I, I never got the idea, never got the feeling that Zaz would be the guy with the pulse of the streets in mind. I think in my mind, if I'm going to play that game, I think it would be Killer Croc. 
we always go to Killer Croc, but I, I, I always like to think of Killer Croc. He's down below, right? But everybody kind of ignores him, so he gets that feel. Even though this is just to push Zaz, but just to push Zaz to get tied up by the cold of Harley, which is very generic. You're not really giving them any flavor, like even the Gang of Harleys. Not that the Gang of Harleys was great when they came about in the past, but you don't really have much of any sort of, like I said, any personality to these characters. They're just all characters, and they're beating the crap out of Zaz. And then he's tied up, and you're going to tell kind of lame jokes. You're going to end up where Harley is kind of interrogating Zaz, but then says, well, I know it wasn't you. You have the pulse of the streets. Where can we go? What you can we go? You realize when something's off in Gotham. I put that I takes you know so something. long. And then when you end up getting Perry, the alien, you almost get like, again, this book has Kevin, who we love. Perry, there is a possibility or a chance that that could be a really cool character. Yeah. Like the idea that it's this crazy alien that's so the parasite that, alien Perry. That Harley has to pull back. That's always fun. You have the crazy Harley. Let me eat his spleen. He doesn't need it. Now, in that, I just didn't get the idea where Stephanie Phillips, I think, at one point, seems to think that she's really funny. And when she says to Harley, Harley says, actually, about Perry, oh, don't mind this meticulously detailed threat. They're not really that meticulously deep. Like, there's no joke there. The joke is just he's over the top and she's trying to pull him back. And maybe able to scare Zaz, but in the end, nothing really comes from that. And what the big play here is weird is that Stephanie Phillips really wants to dangle that carrot of, hey, everybody wants you back. You know, we want the the bad girl Harley. We want the, you know, the evil Harley. Cause Zaz keeps saying, Oh man, you're back. The Harley's back. The one I love. The Harley that ever and we know that's probably not going to happen anyway. Well, it's but not even the idea it doesn't of Zaz, come about where, to where anything. Harley is very upset about the idea. Well, I'm still waiting for the change in Harley to show what yeah, happened with the Lazarus. That's what because, we need. Because we kept seeing different things since she came back where it seemed like she almost a split personality or a split emotional kind of aspect to her where she gets a little bit over the top. And like it almost becomes a widow to get a little me moment because while she wants to be the good Harley, she came back to do good. Everybody keeps looking at her and expecting her to be the old Harley and stuff like that. She can't get out of the old reputation. That's all she really wants. But even when you have the idea where she's talking about this and she just says, like, like I mean, the, the real you, the violent, chaotic, and she's like, no, she up, gets upset about it when Zaz is talking. But that's as far as we ever go with this whole thing. And it just goes back, got to find out who killed me because that really pissed me off. And ultimately, you stand around and talk to Zaz all tied up. And even when Zaz talks about... Well, there's a few people from Black Mask Gang. They went missing or found dead over here. And there's other people. They do. It almost feels like what we had with the Mr. Freeze, the detective comics. Where like, hey, we sent a bunch of people in there, but they never came back. We just end up having Harley go to this spot that Zaz is talking about to go play Sherlock Holmes while Zaz is still sitting there, tied up, dressed in the part of like uh, Dr. Watson along the lines. As we continue on the idea, like, let's look for clues. But ultimately, the clues come to her as we have our cloaked figure who shows up. And just reveals that, oh my god, it's the Harley Quinn who laughs. And th- that is our entire issue of her standing around talking about things we know. Well, I'd like you to talk about the ideas of the things you've set up with, like, did she come back, right? Because her, like, battling against, you know, who she wants to be as opposed to people see her as still from who she used to be. I want to see this go full bore, like, oh my god, did Harley well, come back, uh, right? That's but we're not I doing think that. that though, I think that that's the misplay. You use the Lazarus Pit in one of the big things, and I know that Lazarus Pits are real wonky now and whatnot, but you're kind of playing, you know, classic deal that here's Harley in the Lazarus Pit. How's she going to come back? And I really thought 
what you could play. And again, this would be Stephanie Phillips kind of sticking it to some of the fans. Not the, but if she came back totally just crazy again, almost to the idea of, see, this is what you guys want. See how horrible it is? Like, Harley is so over the top. We don't, hey, give us back that fun-loving, you know, hero that's trying to do her best, Harley. It might have played out better that way if we saw the Lazarus Pits changer, like, fully evil. But you didn't get that and never did. It kind of was alluded to but never came about. And then you just go through this and wing dings all over the place. The one that drove me nuts, and I know that that drives you nuts too, but when Zaz... I'm sure, actually, I think it's hardly talking to Zaz still. And I'm sure the dry cleaning bill is a real, is it just bitch? I mean, why do you have to go through this, you know, jump through? She should just say it's bad, but like a real person. Yeah, no, she should say it's a real pain. Or just don't even say it. it you have them throughout. Oh, man, turn that beep off. I mean, it, it's not funny. And it doesn't give anything. It's just stupid. But You're right. You should just curse. No, either that or, you know, you can't, so just don't. I mean, it's not funny. This is like the idea that you're two years old and you're beep and then you giggle. I did when I was a little kid, but now eh, I do like when she's like, hey, get that, you know, smoke machine out of here. It's not a Motley Crue concert. That was okay. But even then, it's such a random joke. They're just thrown in there when I really want a story. And you even have Zaz, like, I get the hyenas, but what's up with this alien and things like that? But by the end, it's just lets me enter because now when you see the, the cliffhanger that it's the Harley who laughs, it almost makes everything else nothing. Null and void, like, oh, it was that we'd never be able to figure that out. Because now you have the Batman who laughs and mask over top of a chained up Harley Quinn who's pale as hell, looking like she came from the dark multiverse right now. I do not need more dark multiverse stuff. I don't need a Harley Quinn who laughs who just looks like a version of the Batman who laughs because that's uninspired as hell. And the idea that we have this character codes up shoots Harley Quinn and goes off to do other things that we don't know anything about. And now Harley's back. Now she has to kill her again. But you get nothing out of the character. You, know, Even you, you have the anything. idea where it's like, you have metal claws. Wrong universe. I'm like, is that a Wolverine joke? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, but I guess it is. This falls flat. And I'm telling you, this because I don't like anything from the Dark Multiverse, let alone a Batman laughs. A Harley Quinn laughs. That's even less interesting. But it's the most interesting thing that's going on in this book. And I want to see how it's resolved. Even though I know right now, I don't care about what the like, resolve is because it's, so it's going to be lousy. It's weird because we ended up, and I keep saying the idea that these events are going on, right? You have all this stuff. And each step of the way, Stephanie Phillips desperately was trying to get Harley's book involved. Like you'd mention stuff from Dark Crisis, but this wasn't a Dark Crisis time. You'd mentioned stuff from that. This feels like she's now like, what else can I get involved with? Well, let's go back to that metal shit. I'm saying though, do we even have like is the dark isn't the dark multiverse sealed away? I want to know how this can be and what can happen because, because we, we need the wagon to open up the doorways again. Oh, the wagon, the wings. Uh but yeah, even at one point I thought it'd be funny where you do have Harley and she's going around in the Sherlock deal, and you could play the game of is that really happening or is that of her mind? And then you, I just no, what it says yeah. like take the stupid mustache off me. But uh, it's just... I wish Zaz would get rid of his hoop earrings, so he just comes off as a fucked up yeah, Mr. Look at Clean. That. It does look like a, a crazy Mr. Clean, right? So, yeah, I, I just... By the end, when I saw that Harley who asked, I'm like, really? Like, that's two years ago. was already, you know, old and lame, so we'll see what this means. But there's really not much more to talk about in this, so I prolong it. The, the art's pretty good, but what oh, would you give great. it? Ultimately, I'm telling you, the art's great throughout. Most of the story is Nothing just Harley. Nothing happens in this. No, I'm saying, we stand around and we talk to Zaz, who's all tied up, so he can't even stand around. He has to sit around tied up. He and can't go anywhere. He's so tied up, Eric. He's so tied up. 
But like we go to a place where it's like, okay, we're going to go over here. And this happens to be the place that we need to go just because Zaz, you know, Zaz, the post of the street. You get the Harley Quinn of laughs. Maybe that's enough for you. It's not enough for me. I would end up giving this a 5.1 out of 10. Yeah, I'm a 5.1 as well. It's Because the main focus of the book, the death of Harley Quinn and the resurrection of Harley Quinn, we don't even have our fan favorite Kevin in this issue, but there's something wrong with Harley. Or is there? Who knows? We're moving on to something new. Harley laughs. It's so weird. And there was the possibility. And that's the thing with Harley. Yes, yeah, she's kind of a jokey character, obviously. She does this wacky stuff. But it ends up where there's times when the story and Stephanie Phillips has done it. There's times where she can get to the heart of the character. You can still have fun, but it ends up meaning something and actually has some feels, stuff like that. This just this seems like straight up, hey, look at Harley. She's a joke and let's get on with it. Tell some jokes. Wing dings. Carly laughs. Boom. 5.1. Ah, uh, What's next there? Next up, we have Punchline, the Gotham game number two, written by Teeny Howard and Blake Howard with art by Gleb Melnikoff. Will Robson, Luis Guerrero, and Justin Birch. And we continue the idea of Punchline taking over a factory in Alleytown, which is Aiko Hasegawa territory, the Hasegawa clan territory, or the Yakuza. And we have, we have her taking over this factory so she can make her exo drug, which is totally legal, but totally addictive, and it fucks people up. And that's what we're doing with Punchline's new Gotham game. As Batman tries to get to the bottom of all of this and take her down, even though it's Catwoman territory, maybe that'll take you know, show up in the next issue at this time. It's all Batman all the time. And it's such a weird idea because you have Punchline who is taking over, like, you know, she gradually took over the Royal Flush Gang ever since her time in Blackgate Prison when she became acquainted with a bunch of these lower level, like, Royal Flush Gang members mm-hmm. the way that they're being presented in this story. We have this idea that this old Ace Chemical plant, which is abandoned, and, you know, Aiko uses this for different things every now and again. For the most part, though, it's abandoned. So even the idea when she was going, it seemed like Aiko wouldn't even know those things were going on for how little that she uses this because, like I said, abandoned. But when we have Punchline show up, Aiko has to go and is like going into a money drop and all these different things. And I don't know how this really ties into Catwoman because it seems like we're actually doing legitimate mob stuff here, even though we don't. We have vats of it looks like Joker toxin in these, you know, Ace Chemical thing. I'm like, this doesn't look as abandoned as you said it to be. Even the idea of Ico doing a money drop, doing mob stuff and stuff like that, it felt like it get lost in the shuffle with Punchline coming in because I don't, I didn't even realize why Ico was there. I actually thought she was going in to confront Punchline and That's her goons and doing it. But there's like a whole thing where Ico is there with her, like you know, hench people while we're having an open briefcase. And at one point, she's like, "You're really going to do all this for a hundred grand?" I'm like, "The fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, I thought about? she was. I'm like, well, "How does she know what what Alexa?" I thought it was all that. Now the weird play is, and I said it right away, even in the Catwoman book. And that where we find out that Punchline is going to get this, quote unquote, abandoned warehouse of Ico. She even said at one point, and I thought, that's weird. And I, I pointed out that she said, well, it's not abandoned. She uses it sometimes, like you said. And I said right away, then don't use it. You can't use something. I, I, I you don't set up base where somebody's going to use that I at any point. I don't mind that because you set up shop and you worry about it later, especially for the idea that she knew about it later. But that's involved. my whole point of this. Later is the next issue. Like they didn't even play the game. Teeny Howard the and Blake Howard. The way it was explained Howard, previously, I like the way it shows up here is completely different. It feels they like they should have gone. This should have been issue five when you end up having. Aiko finally show up. And even like, oh, shit. Aiko show up immediately. But even Catwoman scenes, and her were talking about this warehouse and how it was going to be used. I don't know how it plans it pans out with the Catwoman book, but from that whole thing where she was like, you know, almost looking forward to going after Catwoman because at least it wasn't Batman. We had all this idea set up like, okay, the Hasegawa clan uses this not often; it's mostly abandoned. 
eventually we get to that point. I figured them to set up shop, gain some power, and do all these things. So when the time did come, she'd be able to take the people it's, it's off. Weird, we do right? have a royal flesh gang, high members in there. But right away, instead of having Catwoman, you have Ico show up what seems like not, has no idea what's going on. And you have Batman show up who the idea was. Batman's not going to show up. He's this not going to step worst. on Catwoman's that, that, toes. That's what I'm going to say. And this is where I think there's the huge misplay where I think this book, the first issue we liked, we were intrigued by it. And like you said, and you said it exactly how I thought, where this book would show you the the rise of Punchline. Yeah, she's popular online. The trial of the century, but with she's the Royal popular. Flesh Gang, she's starting it up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, not a surf out of nowhere, Eric. You end up where all this was, I thought we were going to see this, like, behind the scenes a little, her grabbing some power, whatnot. She spells out two things pretty much to begin this. We're going to go to an abandoned warehouse that Iko barely uses. We'll be fine for a while. And Batman will be off his radar. We'll do things off his radar. Immediately, second issue, Iko's there at the warehouse. And Batman, is a, they're, they're on the radar. It threw everything of that setup away to try to elevate a punch. Where I thought we were going to get that as a gradual deal. I thought that we are going to see... Her rise, and even then, you throw this in where this really feels like it's like the fourth issue, where you even have the royal flesh gang and characters that I'm like, I don't really know these characters. Well, you I, have they're your, just your, there. your main lieutenants of Punchline, where you have King and Queen, you have One Zero, who is the tech guy, and you have the new member Asus, who is like you know combined with nanotech. But even that, I don't fully understand because you have his body that's been kind of remade, so he's almost zombie esque, where he's actually upsetting people within the gang. Like, does he is he always going to look like that? Because that's going to be a problem. But throughout this whole thing, you also have him being just nanotechnology. There seems to be the catch-all to get anything, any of our punchline gang out of trouble whenever they need it. Because you have the Hasegawa which I want to see more of. Because you have a snake woman here, and I want him to see her because she was badass. And there's oh, there's too many characters that are just thrown in here, though, where I thought, like you, like, ma'am, I'm going to see more of that. I don't know if it's going to continue in this book, and this is the play, but I, I don't know. I want I go the whole deal to be in the Catwoman book playing that alternate Catwoman. And then in this, we saw that it was setting up for her yeah. to be in this book. And I was looking forward to that. It made it bigger in my mind. But we've already skipped ahead from where it seemed like we were previously, where nothing seems like it's transitioning over from what we saw, like Catwoman talking to Ico about what's going on with Punchline. And all this, did, did the Catwoman book take place after that? I don't know. Yeah, I think after it was this. before, and that's, but she knew. But I, even like you said, when you get to that point, this issue was such a wreck. With transitions and how things progress and the idea where, hey, you do all this for a hundred. I'm like, who are you talking to? What's going on? And then, yeah, yeah, but Alexis, yeah, punchline, kicking some butt, which is fine. You end up having some fights, but I think a lot of things get lost in the shuffle. Aiko, all her gang is going down, right? The Hasegawa lieutenants, they're going down to punchline's royal flesh gang and Aces's nanotechnology to the point where she has to ask one of her guys. Hey, is there a roof access to this whole thing? And after she's already called in backup, so she has no idea anything about this building. The fact that it has a helicopter pad and a helicopter is coming in, I'm like, what do you do here? I mean, this is something that you is a part of your thing. You have no idea it has roof access yet. You called in backup to be picked up by a helicopter. So I'm like, what is going on, Ico? You and are you, smarter. You than just this. got full off face chemical shit going on in the abandoned warehouse and it the, didn't the, seem to be involved with the one, that the it, one thing i didn't mind though is i really thought they were going to try to put punchline over to a point where she hasn't earned that yet so when she does go up against Ico, i was worried about that but Ico does get the better of punchline gets on top of her and it's going to finish the job but batman does show up and like you know 
it uh he uh, distracts Aiko from what she's doing right there to the point where Punchline can pull out a knife and shove it in her side. So I enjoyed no, that. She does that. So, so Punchline she does, does take down over. a couple of the henchmen though that seem to be Yakuza that are pretty badass. But mostly but... it was Royal Flush Gang with their and their nanotechnology and stuff like that to the point where I wasn't I wasn't mad about the way that they presented Punchline because she has to be a badass to a point where. In some goddamn alternate reality, she dark slices crisis. that one guy's face like right down the middle, and I, that guy. It's, at some it point, has dark crisis though, big. Lex Luthor will induct her into the Legion of Doom, so she has to be badass to the point that will that eventually happen? Well, she probably and, learned that in one of her classes in college, right? And in one of the progressions of, of this, I thought it was done properly, where they didn't put her over and make her, you know, Catwoman in Tom King's Batman run, where she could just overcome anybody. Yeah, I'm telling you, I think she even holds her own a little too much with Ico, but. Iko doesn't want to kill her, I guess, and hurt and her. Batman but, wasn't going to let her. Uh, Batman's there, but you have that monstrosity, you know, guy. Everything's Jesus. just everything is just thrown at you in this. It it really is a mess, and I hope that it kind of you know narrows itself down a little. I thought what we were going to get in this issue was them setting up shop at this warehouse, see what the plan is, maybe deal with aces, maybe do something little, maybe at the end have the cliffhanger of the second issue where Iko shows up. Oh shit, we didn't know she'd show up this early. But everything's just thrown at you right away, and it just seemed like too much too soon. Nothing of these characters have been really explained, or you haven't seen interaction. So I don't have really any connection to, you know, Ico's henchmen or the Royal Flush Gang at all. I don't have any sort of like, oh man, I love that guy, or he's my favorite, or she's my favorite. Well, I'm saying you've had one issue of those characters. And I just don't get why you didn't take this a now, little I don't, slower. I don't know if the Hasegawa lieutenants and stuff like that that we see here were introduced previously in the Catwoman run and Genevieve Valentine's run or anything like that. But you have them here, and one's a snake lady. I'd like to see more yeah, of her because like these will seem like interesting cool. characters. But for the most part, the Royal Flesh Gang, pretty much, you know, Punchline's gang that we have here, we've seen, we saw them all come back and like be who they are here in the previous issue. So I didn't mind them like the way they were presented at all, except for the way that Ace's power works. Cause you have a monstrosity who seems separated from the nanotechnology, but you could have had a little more of a, a setup of all these guys together and see what's going on. They just end the up with one five. zero. Yeah. One zero. We don't know. It's just all of them. And then you end up even playing that deal with Cullen really quick. That's just kind of there. I don't know. Like they're, they're really pushing Bluebird out and Harperell and stuff like that for what she dealt with in the backup to the Joker book with the Punchlines trial. Because we we mentioned the idea that you know Bluebird's tangled with her, but we don't know how the far that went. Pretty much, we're just pretty much saying that they're still in the background, and Cullen's ex boyfriend is still a part of the Royal Flush Gang that is now under Punchlines' control. I don't think Teeny Howard has set up the story very well. Especially, I mean, we talked about it before. It was a tough entry level deal if you hadn't been reading. Punchline stuff up until this now and i think that this one with us not even really being able to grab onto the timeline of it which we should we read all the issues but yet it's a little wonky it's a little weird and everything that she said they're setting up this place and doing this because we won't get batman's attention and it's abandoned that gets thrown out the window in the second issue just to have batman show up and i go and it just was an odd play uh, the art's good, though. I do. I don't mind, though. Like I said, uh, Punchline getting over on Aiko here to show that she's badass, even though she, you know, she did a sneak attack on her when she wasn't expecting it, and even throwing her off the building to get Batman off her tail. And I do like the idea of Batman as he grabs Aiko, you know, and like can't get back up to Punchline. Like um, he's trying to call Dick Grayson for help get medical for Aiko. Somebody he yells at the Punchline, "You better pray that she lives." If you aren't afraid of what I'll do, you should be afraid of Catwoman setting up Catwoman to be the big, like, you know, adversary of Punchline going forward. But 
I really expected that well before we got Batman, except especially for what we saw in Catwoman. I want them to have their separate deals going, but they're going to intersect over. And I, I think they, they, they'll elevate each other, honestly. Just I've seen what she's done on more than enough Catwoman issues that storylines don't even follow what they're doing. And all of a sudden they veer off to the left to make no sense. But yeah, I my whole thing with with Punchline is I actually don't sit there and think that I know that much about Punchline, especially with fighting. And I think that this series should have actually kind of pulled it back and maybe given us a little more character moments of these characters. But we're just kind of punchy, punchy here. What would you give it? Ultimately, it is the second issue. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt for what it's doing. Because we spent last issue putting together the Royal Flesh Gang, what it is. Everything doesn't seem to come together as is previously was stated, even in the Catwoman book and remember the first issue of this series. But I think the art's great. The way that Punchline overcomes her adversary shows that she can hold her own while not being like over-the-top powerhouse right away. They can overcome anybody no matter what they do. So I like that. I just wish it would come together a little bit more from what we saw in the previous issue, like and Catwoman, like I said. Give it a 6.5 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 5.5 overall. Kind of disappointed after liking the first issue, but what is the last issue of the pod? Tim Drake, Robin, number three, written by Megan Fitzmartin with art by Riley Rossmo, Lee Lowridge, and Tom Napolitano. And we still have Robin dealing with the strange detective story that is, he's been plagued with where somebody is trying to leave him clues about old detective stories that'll finally lead him to his Moriarty of all things. And in the previous issue, we had all these other Robins coming to, to like, you know, attack Tim Drake. And that's where we pick up now. But the thing is, for because of it was Riley Ross Mark, I didn't even get the idea that these Robins in the previous issue were all representatives of the previous Robins in the Bat family. I just thought they were kind of this rando, like, people in Robin costumes or constructs, because we dealt with constructs for a while, even though they seems the idea of the constructs they were dealing with now are different than what we originally had. So who knows how that all works out in the long run between, you know, white techno discs that make white, you know, ghostly constructs to the point where we actually have clayface s figures impersonating the different Robins to take on Tim Drake here. As um, And ultimately what we do with this issue is Megan Fitzmartin spends a lot of our time as Tim Drake tries to fend off these other Robins that look like his family members showing us that she knows Tim Drake and how he perceives his brothers and sisters and love interests of the past and how he is one of the best Robins and how he knows how to overcome this. Because even the idea where a lot of people call Tim Drake the boring Robin, I think I'm just pointing out Simon from what he said in the Slack one time, maybe two times, but a lot of people will say that they don't like Tim Drake, but he is the, the Robin that would one day in the Titans of Tomorrow would become the Batman, the continuation of the Bat God that always has a contingency plan. And you even saw that as him becoming Red Robin in the 2000s, stuff like that, where he is the man with a plan. He'll always figure out how to overcome because he's not the most skillful fighter out of all the Robins or even the, like, you know, the most tech, I'm going to say smartest, but he is one of the smartest Robins. But I like this issue because it is showing me that there is some substance to the Tim Drake that I know and love that I didn't see in the previous two issues. Yeah, I, I just think that this is just her trying to convince people of that. There's The story well, barely progresses. And this is, I think, and I was trying to count, I think this is the 15th issue that she's written with Tim Drake in it. And that's too late to be doing something of. And really, it's almost exact to what we saw. And I did like it before, but we saw this in Batman Versus. Right? We see this all the time. We saw Batman going through that before. We end up where, just recently, we saw them where, okay, this is this, Robin. We did that. Remember when it was like, hey, you ended up forgetting me. And we had that big play where Batman was being kind of controlled of the mind and yeah. being affected. 
and we just have it well, that, here. That and was I just think, an off the wall kind of thing where the idea was it didn't even seem to really go with it. Like, you know, I know, but, but it's I was still mad the at same. you, Batman, because the reason I'm mad at you is because I was a, an acrobat. And now you brought me out no, of the I know. spotlight. We said that that part, but the other parts we did like. But that's exactly what this is. This is but you the, have that with Batman all the time. Tim Drake and how he feels an accident, like you know how he would counter the people that have been better Robins than him previously, even though he's been a Robin for a long time now. I did enjoy seeing that, especially even the idea of Stephanie Brown for a short stake as Robin and seeing her here and how he still, you know, feels about her, still loves her, even though they have broken up and he's moved on. You would hope that you would know that anyway. And her just saying, you were a bad boyfriend. Oh, my. You're going there, Steph. And then fighting. Stephanie and Damien are quite alike. They get angry and they they yell. And. I didn't think it got deep enough to show me that she knows these characters. I think that this I like is the thick skin level. of Tim Drake because even when you had Tam- Damian Wayne talking about like the the things that you would think that would pierce the psyche of Robin, like the real Damian's way meaner than you. Yeah, I it just it it seems surface level nonsense of Megan Fitzmartin just putting everything to a halt now because she's gotten some flack that hey you don't know Tim Drake says so she's going to do the most surface level nonsense to show you but not really show you she's just going to have the things that I you know I barely know Tim Drake is my you know robin that I never really read a lot of I could have written this I could say oh there you go you're mad because I replaced you oh man I'm it just ended up really surface level to me, especially when we have a story that hardly makes any sense. Or even the idea of Damian Wayne and stuff like that, and all the, the grief that like Damian has given him and replacing him as Robin. I, there was one moment in the line that I really enjoyed, too, where he's talking about Damian being his little brother. I'm like, you don't get enough of that. Yeah. yeah. I think that me and you were talking about that the other day, and I actually said, that they, Tim would be upset about Damien. You're like, fuck that. He'd be pissed because he ended up taking this. It, it just seems like this weird play of her, like trying to convince us, but going so. But the the whole story of these stories and these detective stories, I don't even know if that was thrown out the window. We just have these doppelgangers that end up being there. He thinks that they're part of Clayface, but they're not because they're individual. They don't have that one persona of Clayface. Plus. He says that when the jig is up and gone, Clayface will come clean. They're not, which then leads oh, no, them I'm saying, off. These this isn't Basil, and even by the end, we'll see that it's a new, it's a new thing that we're actually working with right now. And it's the goofiest part about this entire issue, because I like the little insights in the Robin, because I need Megan Fitzmartin to tell me that she actually understands this character that I love, that she's been writing, and not really well in I my mind. I still don't get that. I still don't get that she knows him. I just think that... The goofiest part of this is when we have the Dick Grayson left, and then all of a sudden this, you know, because every one of these Robins, Stephanie Brown, Jason, Damien, and uh, you know, Dick here, they're kind of gooey. Like, they have the clay face kind of look. Like, yeah, he look, says like, that like, there's like, clay even when he exactly. punches Jason. He exactly. Says. He tries to attack the muscle of Jason to take him down, and, like, it's more like clay and stuff like that. And then he ends up throwing da- Damien and Steph into the water. Let's see how you like that. I'm like, well, that's kind of messed up if these are people because that'll yeah, solve them. especially because they are screaming for help. Exactly. So. But at the one point when you have Dick Grayson and the last one left and he turns into this giant hulking monster of a, a Dick Grayson Clayface thing, he's like, oh my God, is it Clayface mixed with Venom? I'm like, that's the goofiest shit right there. I don't need the idea of what we're dealing with to be a Clay-Venom mixture that But even stuff. then when you get that, the real play, and I'm thinking, what detective story from your... Is that anyway? Because that's all of what these things are supposed to be. And so it throws me off a little to get this scene. And maybe it'll make sense by the end that it does tie into something else. But he ends up where when he and I'm with you when he said the Venom deal. And then, you know, he's going to do Tim is going to do his detecting while also 
the people at the marina have to keep yelling and screaming that they love the Tim Drake's Robin. He's and there to Robin them. is there for us. Not like and the dirty up, police. Bernard shows up and I, maybe uh, he comes in and is like, hey, and everything is like, come on now. Like, you got to realize at some point that Tim right, is, is Robin. But well, he keeps it took Lois forever to figure out that Superman was Clark Kent and stuff like that. I'll deal with this for a little while. It's a new relationship. But the thing is, I even enjoyed this part, and I was waiting for some sus stuff to happen because when Tim is trying to lay low as Rob right now, because the police have showed up trying to fish these clay people who are screaming out of the water, because while they are people and not exactly like, there's a part of something Clayface-esque related to them because they're like, they're melting and they're in pain and they need help and stuff like that. And Tim needs to get away before the police find him because the police don't like no Tim Drake, Robin. And Bernard's like his number one fan. He's like, look, my boyfriend has a boat around here. We'll keep like he's not around right now, but we can use his boathouse and we can lay low for a little while. And I was waiting for Bernard to, to say something. You know, exactly. And I'm like, oh, don't do it, Bernard. But he doesn't. He's actually he's a very good boyfriend right now. But I love the little insight that Robin is getting about how his boyfriend perceives him as But Tim we Drake. had this already. This scene is a repeat. He did this twice already in three issues. He ended up talking to Tim. Man, my boyfriend. That it, We've already had no, it. I'm talking boyfriend. about the idea about, you know, the idea when they go back to the boathouse and <laughs> Bernard sees what Tim Drake loves his bo- his boathouse as what looks like a murder shack. Oh yeah, well that's what it does look like. This line. So I'm like, he, he's getting an insight into how Bernard actually feels about Tim Drake with all this and how he's living his life, and even the idea where he does say the boyfriend and it takes you know bit him off guard because you know he hasn't really finalized what they are at this point. They in time. said they had that last issue, same exact thing where Bernard well, they said. sat down and talked about it. Well, no, he said, oh, that's Tim. That's my boy boyfriend. I didn't know. They, they did the same thing. Now they sit down. But the art's terrible. The art is fucking awful in this book. And I want to I want to fucking throw that and the bay with those clay face monstrosities It's never going to be the right strongest there. point of this whole thing. But for some reason, because I was enjoying the story, it was along the lines of what we did with Harley Quinn when Riley Wasp was on that. When we were enjoying the story, I didn't mind it as much. Harley's so over the top crazy that it worked. It doesn't work here. It doesn't work here at all. And I don't know. The character designs change constantly. You end up, I mean, Tim Drake, he might as well be called Giraffe half the time. And at the end, again, this whole play of, well, what's the story? I don't need you. And uh, you liked it, but I don't need you to sit there for 15 pages and say, Dick Grayson, he was the acrobat. He does this. He always thinks he's the best. I want the story that made no damn sense for two issues to go with these detective stories of, like I said, of the past, to tie in to just have fan service, surface level nonsense, and then go off and then even having him sit with Bernard, this doesn't progress the overall plot. It's something we already saw. It it's nice the enough. So. Well, it's nice enough, but we know it's never something like the idea when Tim is talking about the Robins, including Steph, with all that. Not one thing did he say that I thought, holy shit. I never even thought of that. Oh, my God. I didn't think that Tim looked at it that way. But he's a detective. He'd know it. It was all surface level. The stuff with Bernard, I really like Tim. Him and me are boyfriend. Nothing new. Nothing over the top. Like, oh, my God. I'm glad we well, got the that. Idea because that I Bernard didn't know. sees Tim as somebody who sacrifices uh, himself over all others and stuff like that. It's Again, not that, didn't, that didn't shock me. Because we, him. But I'm saying that. But I'm saying I'm reading it. It didn't shock because I even know that Tim would do that. Like, nothing in this is saying to me, oh, man, that's awesome. People have to read this because this is really Tim. It's a bunch of bullshit. And by the end, I just what is the story? Because at the end, I don't know what the fuck happens at the end when they end up where Tim goes into this deal and you end up having this lab and this 
bottle. I, I don't well, know. The Robins that we had there, like you said, Clay Nightwing told me that I have all the clues. It almost seemed like these Robins were there to keep him on task to make sure that he could, do, like, you know, figure out what the clues are. But we do see that the Clay Jason Todd goes back to some secret lab with whatever might have given them these Clay S kind of powers. And we do have a doctor there, and Tim Jason's all like, you know, hey, this burns my skin. I need this taken off. I don't want this anymore. And it's like, I need to talk to the boss. It's like, be my guest at this point in time. And then we see a bathtub in the background where a Clayface-esque kind of figure is just a... Yeah, I don't even know, like, the overall of what is happening, though, in this Tim scene. Drake. The, that bottle is falling, and when he yells Tim Drake, I'm like, no. Again, no. this bottle right here, is this the Venom Clayface mixture? I don't know. I don't know. And do they we'll have this, that, that, you know, you even have things where he's taking a bit of the clay and adding it to this, but it all just... Doesn't really make sense in my mind of the overall progression, including the two mysteries from the first two issues. And then you get here, and in that, you end up having Colonel Moran. Colonel Moran, that is a Sherlock Holmes character. That is a side guy of Moriarty, who no. you end up Tim saying that. But is that the only time? I, I don't get it. I don't get what this overall story is. Well, whoever this Clayface ass figure wants to be Tim Drake's Moriarty. Yeah, I, it, or it's, I just, I don't know, because of the idea of all those other stories and the detective just doesn't seem like it's progressing. And all these things that have been left behind are supposed to be clues to lead him to his Moriarty. I just thought it was nonsense, but you liked it. I so, did. Yeah, and the art's terrible. I hate yeah, it. I'm saying the I, art's never going to be the strongest point of this, even though no, I haven't enjoyed the story. Like I'm telling you, I have not been a fan of much that this series has to offer. I was just happy to enjoy the story that we got here, even though the art... I'm telling you, again, is it the idea that I enjoyed the story more so the art didn't bother me? The art's not great. It's never going to be great, if, especially if it's not your style. It's I thought not a my knife style. went through that guy's head at the end. I'm like, what, what just happened? I didn't even see it. <laughs> but by you. the end, because of the story and stuff like that, and I finally got the idea that at least it seems like whether it's surface level, generic, whatever, it's something that I needed for this book to have that didn't have previously. I ended up giving this a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I am a 2. 2 out of 10. I hated it. I hated every bit of it. I thought it was just ridiculous. And you're already repeating stuff, like I said, with Bernard and Tim. We get it. It's the third issue of a of a series that has done nothing but confuse almost everybody who's read it. I think that this is a bomb and will be done soon. So I'm not even going to even think of like, oh, man, this will be it's going to get canceled. It, it Nobody's buying it, I would guess. But maybe not. Maybe they'll let it keep going on. But I think it's one of the worst books that we're dealing with. And that's even including that dark crisis, young justice nonsense she did. She's terrible. She shouldn't be writing at DC Comics. I don't think she knows the deal. And in my guess would be that, yeah, she's trying to desperately show people after 15 issues that she knows a character that she already has shown. She has no clue what she's doing with. But overall, yeah, I thought it was a bomb. But what would be your book of the week? My book of the week is Tim Drake, Robin number three. Mine is Action Comics, a number 1049, and I hope that, you know, the 1050 does hit. We're going to have a bunch of stories in that. And even I said, I forgot about Joshua Williamson going on with Superman. I think he has a little something to do with that you as well. You give so. Action Comics the same as Detective Comics? Yeah, but I'm picking that one as okay. my book of the week. They're, those were both a tie. They, they're the uh, Kiss My Grit 6. But I think that that one was a little better. I think that I, you know, when I was reading it, I enjoyed the story. It's just when we have this, it's funny because the Tim Drake book, I'll give it one thing. At least it was about Tim Drake because a lot of these books, even Punchline, didn't seem to really want to focus a lot on Punchline. We ended up in Action Comics that had less Superman, Detective, than that much Batman. Harley had Harley, but yeah. 
all this Harley was standing kind of a, around and not progressing the yeah, story. Any. It was kind of a down week anyway, but yeah, maybe, maybe you'll be able to convince me eventually. Maybe we'll see that, you know, Megan Fitzmartin has finally got a hold of the no, character. I'm hoping that's the case. You're more of a Tim Drake fan. I'm not. From what I see so. here, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. If you want to start fresh here and so like, you know, put the character that we've, or people who have read for, you know, th- close to 30 years or actually 30 years for this point, I, I'm willing to let you have that chance. It's not working previously. It's a shame you didn't do this right away then. And just, you know, kind of show, it's a weird play to just right in the middle, you know, th- three issues into this weird, I, I really, well, it's a very I, can't, weird story. I can't put my finger on the story as one well, of the things. It's so had, wacky. Oh, no, I can't either. Like I said, it to be, like through that review, it's like we had those white di- techno discs that made white ghostly constructs. I don't know You're how right. many of I'm that You're right, I'm going 2.5. <laughs> I, I don't know how we progressed from that point, though, that was, you know, a part of, was it the DC Pride where that story started? And it goes into this series. Yeah, it was, because he was there with the, with the orangutan know, the and elephant and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And then we go from the idea now it's Clayface Venom mixture. I'm like, I don't, I it don't should have been that, that from the get-go. I don't know how that even connects. I don't either. I like this way more than anything we had previously, now, what though. I, what I was going to say is I'll give it a little extra boost because we, I said that it was a, a bad thing, that we really didn't deal a lot with the overall story. Maybe that was a good thing to have. Okay, I'm telling you, it feels like the story changed, and it feels like, you know, while that's infuriating, it changed to a point of, like, you know, more plausible to the better, even though I thought that a Venom-Clayface mixture is goofy. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed, because definitely Clayface involvement, any a type clay of Clayface, face, yeah, I'm saying any type, whatever this is, a vat-made Clayface, whatever it is, it's still better than discs that produce holograms, that produce constructs, that produce nonsense. So. I will give you that, but to change. Now, to the, tell you, I'm going to look back right now. I don't like think that. it's even changing. But I just think the story just doesn't make any. I'm going to hope because this, you know, whoever this Jason Todd, you know, impersonator is that has this, you know, clay face mixture that's on his skin. He says it burns, and you know what? This will get extra points if this clay face in here is clay face three pressed in pain. So, oh my though, god. He doesn't have so the you same think powers there's as a other basil. clay faces that are actually playing the parts of the Robins as well? Or are you saying, no, no, I'm Preston saying in the vat? In the I'm saying tub. Preston in the vat, who is okay. giving these whole things. Well, he doesn't have normal clay face powers like shape shifting and stuff like that, which these obviously do. Maybe this is a refined version well, of what's going on with him. you need an explanation of why it would be him, or you're just fine with him? Look, it just obviously I'm going to need an explanation, but I always get excited when anybody wants to use Preston Payne Clayface 3. It is funny, though, when you sit there and think that that construct type deal does seem like just a person with shit on them. Yeah, it's somebody with this, whatever's in these jars that the Moriarty henchman has, it has been applied to their skin to give them this ability. So Tim beat the shit out of innocent people and threw them in the bay, which is weird. They had guns. But they also ended up at one point, like, they didn't seem like they were that into it after the fact, but maybe that's because they were beat. Once you get beat, yeah. Maybe they should have said something. It's all funny until somebody kicks your ass. They do, like that Jason Todd guy going back, he doesn't seem like he's that willing a participant to the point where even this, you know, Colonel, the Colonel, he's like, oh, don't talk to him. I, I don't get it. I don't get why one of them isn't like, hey, save us, help us. And I don't know. Maybe that was the play. Like, Tim well, should have been kinda, more of a detective and realized that these were actual people before throwing them into the bay. But, you know, he was under attack. I'm saying they're still that. alive for the point where the police do have to get them to the yeah, point oh, where they are screaming. saying to the police, Help us, please. Yeah, help us, help us. That's we like that. Isn't that weird, though? They're fighting. To, 
I don't know. It, it does so add weird. to this idea where these are monstrosities. So I, I guess these are just kind of like street kids that were said, hey, you want to have superpowers? Yeah, and yeah we do. He's got to do this I'm job. I'm trying to think, but, is there anything that set this up earlier? We're like, oh, my God, that's why we saw that. I don't think so. Uh, but you do have the, them show up here. Like, we fished him out of the water. We did this. And the one who I think is the Stephanie Brown, I think it's going to perpetuate the idea that Tim Drake Robin is bad to the police where, well, that's yes, what he's I a monstrosity. Yeah. Like, it was Robin. He... He and then the people of the Marina, he protected us. Yeah, I know. Wouldn't that, that would, again, that would be a cool little angle because you are having them and somehow they like, he, Tim pushes them towards like the opposite way of the bay, but they swing around and jump in. Like he pushed them in. Oh my God. And then go in and it, it does look like when they fish them out, they look like normal kids. Oh my God, Robin attacked kids, but they don't play that angle no, funny. But it, whatever was done to them looks pretty permanent. <laughs> they're they're mud faced now. That would have been a pretty cool angle if you want to set up Tim as being a bad guy. All of a sudden, it looks like he threw a girl to drown in the bay and fought this other little kid or whatnot. It's me. I'm guy kid. Hey there, I'm not the Jason Todd's. But yeah, that uh, I don't I don't know. The whole story's convoluted. <laughs> Uh, but now, now I'm having fun talking. Well, about Well, this that. issue is the least convoluted in my mind. Yeah, I just, I think it is because it's a big fight. But when you get back to the end, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And we really are counting on the idea that she switched things up from those discs. I think it all comes to play, and it's not going to make any damn sense. But there you go. There you go. Tim Drake, Robin, book of the year for Eric Shea. He said, just Seven remember that, ten. folks. Seven out of ten. I got I, you convinced me up. I'll even go up to a three just to be nice because yeah, we're having fun talking about it now after the fact. But I thought it was nonsense. Uh, but next week it's annual week. Speaking of nonsense, I hear it's no limitations around these parts. I don't and know what it that is, Eric. That is correct. And these are the books that you'll have to go over to the Patreon and sign up. And for as little as a buck, a buck makes you do something. Dollar and, makes you hollow, Jim. Yeah, dollar makes you. <laughs> Uh, 100 cents makes you something. Uh, but that's all it'll be. You can listen to that and a bunch of other things. Our show. Each 100 week. cents gives you all the nonsense. Oh, yeah, it does. That's all the nonsense. When we end up each week, the show comes out early for everybody, even a dollar up with that. And then some other random podcasts and things like that. You have to check it out. And each level gets you more, uh, including our Patreon only badass spotlight podcast that comes out each Thursday. That we have those two books picked by the badasses. This week we won't have because everything is on the Patreon only show. And you get Batgirl's 2022 annual number one. I know you like the way they spell that I out. I don't. I don't like it, but it, it is very you never informative. Had to put comics in a long box. Well, it's been been very informative there, but I just I don't like it. Blue Beetle Graduation Day number That's one. Up. You've been waiting for this book, oh Eric Shea. Uh, you also have Detective Comics. 2022 annual number one do you think that this will progress the story an oversized annual and it is by ram v i looked and so maybe we'll actually get some progression there I, I, hold on i'm looking at the cover though and it just looks like almost i don't know colonial batman i don't know what this costume is on the cover of detective comics and there is no write-up for it on dc comics website i'll tell you after eric it's not gonna progress much. <laughs> it's bullcrap uh, Justice Society of America, number one. Oh, there's right. a big one. That's a big one we've been waiting for. Nightwing 2022 annual, number one. Artless is on the cover, Jim. Yeah, because in the regular book, we saw that old Tony Zuko's coming into town for a few days to thrill. 
maybe we'll get some little heartless stuff well, in that's that. the thing is I imagine Tony Zuko is coming in for a few days to thrill in the main book so we're going to use this oversized annual just to finish our heartless story out of nowhere do you think do you think we'll finish it that'd be crazy and that'd be that'd be crazy but and here's the play too a lot of people are getting upset that doesn't seem like something you should end in an annual because I you've agree. been really dribs and drabs around Since a lot of the things one. we'll have it again later in this little section not of issue book. one but the first issue of Tom Taylor's yeah really so that's kind of a bullcrap deal, but hey, there you go. Nubia and the Justice League special number one. Oh, hey, the queen. Talking about, you know, a bus that has already left the station. I thought well, we were done with idea, all that. We're in the middle, towards the end of Dark Crisis, where all the Justice League died and had Jeff's come back. And now we have Nubia hanging out with the previous iteration of the Justice League. Yeah, I, I don't know. Bendis' Justice League with Nubia. Yeah. So the next one. Is where I was going to say we've had these action comics. War World really had a big conclusion deal in a special that was there, and now we did Superman Kal-El Returns special number one. So you're going to end up having not even part of a series; it's a special number one. What's so funny? You have special number one where you've had what five, six? Maybe this uh, action comics was the sixth part, going back and forth between action comics and Superman Son of Kal-El between you. What part of the story is which between those books? And now at the end, you have Superman Kellogg Returns special where on the cover says, Big Blue is back. I'm like, he's been back. Yeah, he's been back. Plus, I want to ask you, you like the Batgirls 2022 annual number one. You know where to put Where do you put the Superman Kellogg Returns special in the long box? Because it's the final the Superman section. of the Superman Son of Kellogg and the action comics. It's just a weird deal. It, it's a weird play to go with that. Well, I'm not putting and, it in the A's, that's for sure. And they also had, again, they had that uh, War World, uh, I forget what that was called. That War special. World Apocalypse, Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, you said it before. I thought for some reason you meant Apocalypse. But it's five ninety nine, forty eight 48 pages, and if you look at that cover, the cre- there's about a million creative teams on it, it looks like. Oh, lovely. Lovely. But we'll get the deal with all these. But I can already see uh, books that I'm more excited about than some things that we did this week. This week was a little down. I mean, the books that came out, some things that I was excited for just didn't pan out, and some others I just thought were garbage. But that's the luck of the world. Well, Jim, you don't have to read any of these. You can always just get the graphic novel that comes out next week, World of Krypton. Oh, I'll do that. I was actually going to get DC's Grifter Got Run Over by a Reindeer. You got the graphic novel of Aquaman? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Really? I, uh, again, we'll end up after we get done here. I'll mention something that I said to you uh, a while back, and you can tell me if I was right or wrong. But that's for that's, maybe that's the not, black that's label. That's not positive, Eric. Maybe the black label book Waller versus Wildstorm. Oh. Yeah, that actually seems to be something that's going to be maybe something big. That I don't, I don't know, Eric. But that is it. That's it for, for the show. We'll see. And again. If you want to listen to that entire podcast, bunch of books, bunch of oversized stuff as well, go over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. Sign up for as little as a dollar. Each level gets you more and more podcasts. You can check out all those in the level descriptions. There's a lot of stuff going on over there. And then just normally, the big thing is that weekly spotlight show that we have on Thursday where me and Eric last week, we talked about the Deathstroke Inc. finale. And we we enjoyed that enough. We, that we, were actually, we were actually disappointed because it kind of ended with a bit of a thud where we wanted more. And actually, by the end, said that we hoped it would come back because 
it was getting interesting, but we also talked Dark Crisis, Dark Army. Number one that I saw a lot of people loving it, and then a lot of people, you know, hating it. that back and forth. We were kind of in the middle. So you can go. That was, that was an hour and 22 minutes. Uh, well, you did say that Tim Drake was your book of the year, so nothing is going to top that. But with all that said, and you said did that. not. You did not. But all that said and done, yeah, we'll see. And if you don't get involved over at the Patreon, that's fine. Uh, but we'll see you in a couple weeks because we won't be around next week. It's all Patreon. So Unless you're on the you Patreon. Pretend, yeah, you can pretend that we're on vacation or something, which would be nice. That I would be nice that. we did that. I'm going to try to get my head straight next week, Eric. I, I just I was off all day with this running around, driving all over to get a freaking computer. So I was already in a bad mood. But with that all done, what do we say at the end? Everybody have a great week. Week. Keep it weird. Weird. We'll see you in seven. See you in seven. Go read comics. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.